Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. It is another episode. Uh, once again, we are doing these weekly now. Uh, the last time people may have heard us was on Monday uh, when we talked about November 7th and 7 day. Mass Effect Andromeda, huge news coming out of that camp. Uh, we're slowly getting some more news from that, but there's not enough for us to talk about today. So instead, we've got a lot of other topics to chat about. But first, before we get into that, let's introduce our special guests. First off, uh, returning from, uh, it's been a couple episodes since we last talked, Adam Vitali. Hey, special guest? Well, I always call you guys special guests. That's wow. Give you guys some... Yes, and that's the whole point. Uh, last time we had Adam, your brother, Brian, on to talk about Mass Effect as well. Uh, you guys could not sound less alike. That's yeah, we sound pretty different. <laughs> yeah, I made the joke that you sounded like Josh, Adam, uh, and then Brian <laughs> sounds like Kyle. If you listen oh to them, God. they sound... People who have listened to our podcast uh, may have heard both those people's voices, and I could tell you that's, that's what I first thought. A a Andrea uh, agreed with me on that point. But... Now, uh, once again, returning from also a short absence, a very short one, Josh Torres. It's like in the middle of November, and it's still like summer temperatures here in Southern California. It's awful. Yeah, we're like a couple miles away from each other, and it's threatening my my uh, enjoyment of California. Because I moved here, back here in March, and I'm so used to dealing with four seasons when I lived in Iowa. No. I, like, there's no constant seasons. Maybe there's like a, a one big summer season and maybe a brief period of spring. Let me look up like what the weather actually is like right now. Because uh, in here, here right now, it's eight, it says 85 degrees. Uh, at least that's what it says on the thing. It could totally be different. Yeah. In in Des Moines, it is currently 47 degrees. <laughs> bring out bring out some of those degrees over here. Oh we, my gosh. We, we have plenty to. Uh... To, to cool down please yeah it's it, it's okay it's supposed to go back up to 70 degrees this week in des moines and then go back down to 46 next next weekend so yeah that's what i was dealing with and here well, it's, it's been non-stop dry weather. I, I also used to live in iowa and their temperatures are just kind of all over the place like you said yeah. four seasons and then whatever they want to do well like last last winter it got down to like in the negatives i think at one point it was like negative 20 degrees and you know snow everywhere so i'm, I'm i don't necessarily miss that uh, i just kind of wish it rained more from what i heard josh correct me if i'm wrong no, uh winter months quote unquote uh, in california it's supposed to be more of like rainy weather and you said last year or this past <laughs> 2015 to 2016 it was still like this whole temperature okay, the whole way through. I, I, I'm gonna put it like this: on Christmas, expect like go out of your house with like a shirt and shorts, and you'll uh, be fine. I mean, that's cool. At the same time, it's it's taken a lot of getting the, used like, to. Like like I said, like like the rainy, like quote unquote senior, like is very brief. Like you remember like that weekend like a few weeks ago where like it rained for like nighttime and then by at daytime it was fine. It's like it was hardly any like actually day rain. But most of the rain comes down during the nighttime. It, well, it did rain like for a couple weeks ago. It did rain like the entire oh, yeah. day. I remember that. Yeah, uh, that's I, I kind of really appreciated that. But yeah, I think the only thing that's good about it is because I drive a very small car. Uh, just having to drive from Iowa to California, I had to stop in Colorado when it got hit by a huge snowstorm, and I had to put up with two feet of snow and trying to drive on the mountains. And I've never taken my car on the mountains before, and so I had to like get all the way onto the near the shoulder. Because uh, people were passing me all the time, and put on my, uh, you know, my my emergency lights so that they would get around me. That was 
exciting and uh, hard. exciting and, is a word. <laughs> uh, I will tell you one thing is that I always got a thrill uh, getting to work without crashing into somebody when we had a lot of snow. Just because it, I got there and it's like, whew, I didn't die. Whew, that's awesome. That's yes, that's always something to be happy about. <laughs> it's, it's the adrenaline, you know. It's like you, you were so excited that you got there safe and sound that now you're wide awake. You know, you're ready to do whatever. Yeah, you feel like you've uh, overcome a, like a huge challenge. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you've like, have you ever been around winter weather like snow I have. weather? Like, yeah, okay. I, like we went up to the mountains a few times, the Big Bear and whatnot. But I, I, and I've been like down to Texas a few times where it snowed for that one year, very rarely. Apparently, it was just I, I've been I've been in snow a few times, but not as often as I want to be. I was going to say like Texas. That's um, they, I know it's in Texas. It doesn't really snow yeah. much. It's mostly. Uh, very humid down there, but they do experience a lot of flooding. That's that's my experience with the with the, the one like the one time I went that it snowed a little bit was like at the southeastern part of it, like I think around Corpus Christi. Oh yeah, so I mean, I, let let me be straight here. It's that it definitely snows in some parts of Texas because mm-hmm. uh, you know when you go all the way back to like, Hurricane Katrina, they show like snow on the top of of the Astrodome and right, stuff like right. that, and just the way it made things collapse. But uh, it you still don't really see it too much, depending on where you visit. Mm-hmm. So that was quite a trip. I mean, Adam, you're from Iowa too, or at least you were born in Iowa. So, but from since you moved out, you've been mostly sticking to like the border states, right? Like. Kind of. I mean, I guess you boarded the Gulf of Mexico at one, at, uh, not too long ago, which was, you know, you were in, was it Atlanta? Yeah, I lived in Atlanta for five years, and I mean, they don't get much snow either, but they are very, very humid. <laughs> yeah, you deal with hurricanes over there. Uh, but now you're living in Arizona, is that right? New Mexico, and it's a lot New Mexico. Drier. I keep mixing that up. Yeah, New Mexico with your brother. So I'm sure that's a big change from what you're used to dealing with, even even from going from Atlanta to New Mexico, right? It's a lot drier and it doesn't, it barely rains ever. So, yeah. yeah. We're practically almost next door neighbors to him. Pretty much. And I guess that's a good point is that, you know, Adam, you have a better chance of, you know, attending different things over here, I guess, right? It's a lot easier for you than going across country. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, a little bit easier. Still several <laughs> hours, but. Yeah. Several hours. I don't know. If you're driving, I was talking about like a plane, but. That's... Just floor it, Adam. Just fucking yeah. do it. I, I kid you not, I drove like almost at least 90 miles an hour for going through like two or three states because everyone was driving that speed at that speed. And that's the fastest I've ever pushed my car because I'm like the kind of driver before I got here where I was always driving the speed limit or at least like five over. When I got here in California, I learned quickly, you have to be aggressive, <laughs> like super aggressive to be able to put up with the way other people uh, yep. tend to drive. So I've, I've I managed to, with my tiny car, I, that's the benefit of having a very small car. It's that I can actually turn in front of people or I squeeze in between two cars, no problem, because like the bumper is not that far from where I sit. So it's, it's a lot easier that way. I've avoided... At least two accidents that I could have been in, in, involved with, if not for that. One, like, just a week ago. Like, there was a car, not even, like, it's, it would have been, like, at 7 o'clock, I think. Like, it was, I, I didn't see, I heard it, I just didn't see it. And all I saw was a car swerving, oh, like, shit. not a foot away from where my car was. Ah. It was, it was, but since I've got such a tiny car, you know, and it's got enough horsepower that I was like, I'm out of here. Because yep. <laughs> I didn't see it, but, you know, there were witnesses, but, like, I was probably one of the last to get away, and then all highway was, like, shut down at that point, because oh that car God. was swerving all over, yeah. It was, 
It was scary. It wasn't reported on the news, but it was scary. And, you know, California, you've got, like, you know, car chases and shit like that. Pretty so. much. It's like every other day. Yeah, that's uh, people. I, I remember there was like a news report recently that they are saying people need to stop chasing the car chases. You know, people like want to be a part of it or like witness it. Oh my it. god, I didn't know that there's, was even a thing. Well, I mean, you already know there's a lot of people who report that and people watch that stuff, you know, online. But um, apparently, there's been like reports of a lot of injuries of bystanders trying to be involved with that with those chases or like trying to, you know. Like I said, like be a first-hand witness. It's also because it seems like we've turned a corner that now that they've become so popular just to watch, it's kind of like an episode of Cops or something. Like or like you know, America's uh, Carl, uh, yeah, most wanted. Like there was that one TV show that used to be on all the time that was just car chases nonstop. Uh, apparently, they play the people that are doing those car chases really play up to the camera. <laughs> so they like you know ha- put their entire bodies out the window while they're still driving Holy and just like shit. waving at the crowd. You know, it's it's insane. That's... And apparently, you know, there's been injuries and stuff like that. So yeah, I imagine so. Yeah, it's a lot of bullshit. So that's that's something I'm I'm slowly getting used to. Like I come from Iowa, where it's like we get traffic, but people are pretty, you know. Uh, they're very kind, you know. They, they'll make space for you to uh, move in front. I almost got hit yesterday just because someone refused to let me uh, get onto the exit, even if I wasn't in his lane. He just decided to turn over, nearly cut me off, and then get back into his lane. Like he oh just wanted gosh. to prove a point and almost kill us both. That's that was exciting. So, California drivers, they're, they yeah. continue to surprise. We can always, you know, like uh, uh, you know, compartmentalize the drivers in California for what they are. But let's bring it back to video games now. Uh, that, now, now that everybody is tuned out because of our ten-minute <laughs> oh, traffic discussion. Oh man, we always got to start like this. We got to let people know who we, we gotta are. Got to let know what's the state of the world in California, okay? Yeah, not everything has to be about video games. But let's talk about video games. Uh, so. Uh, we, like I mentioned before, we do have some important news to talk about, but as always, we like to first talk about the games that we've been playing up until now. Um, so Adam and Josh, of course, both of you have not been part of our podcast for a couple of weeks now, at the very least. Uh, so, uh, And we did have a podcast on Monday, which neither of you were a part of. So let's get into what you've been playing the last couple of weeks. Adam, first up, you did a review for Xenodu Next, uh, the latest uh, localized game from... Uh, Falcom that XT did the honors of brought it to PC. In your review, you talked about how it's been forever uh, waiting for this game to come out. How's it been for you? I know you were very positive on the experience. Yeah, so th- this is kind of one of those weird games where, like, when I was an undergrad in college, so this is around 2008, 2009, I kind of, like, knew what Falcom was, sort of, but not really. This is kind of, like, before even Trails in the Sky was released on PSP and, like, they didn't have that many localized games other than a couple of maybe East titles um, at that point. But like I had heard about this game called Xanadu Next from one of my new friends in, in college. And like, it's not very often I hear about games I like don't know about. And like, huh, this sounds interesting. And then like over the years, several years, when Falcom kind of gained some popularity with the Trail series, some East releases and things like that. Like, I heard about Genity Next from other people. Like, basically everyone had positive things to say about it. So I'm like, you know what? I should really try this game at some point. But it was not available in English. It eventually got a patch, like a fan translation, even though you don't really even need to play it in English because it's it's not a very, like, text-heavy game. 
Sure. Most yeah, Falcom but... games that aren't like most Ease I mean, games aren't like that. It, it feels like a Ease game. There may be a little bit more text than that, but it's still it's not like a Trails game or anything like that. But um, so anyways, yeah, I basically had heard positive impressions for a long time from a variety of people from in different places about this game, and so um, when basically Exceed finally announced that they were going to be translating it, I'm like, this is you know a perfect opportunity to finally try it out. <laughs> that was a weird localization announcement. I was like, whoa. They and forget. <laughs> and yeah, they 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 originally announced that it was going to be released spring of 2016, and then spring of 2016 came and went, and they like, they I don't think they officially said anything. They just they just kind of, well, they just kind of shut up about it, and then eventually they they announced like a week before it released uh, that it was coming out coming out in November. So it just took them a little longer than than expected, I guess. But anyways, so this game it's it. They the, the way that it's often built is that it's a mix between yeast, like the PC yeast games like uh, Oath and Felgana or Yeast Origin, and Diablo. Um, that it's kind of some mix between those. Um, but one game when I was playing through it that it really reminded me of in many ways was Vagrant Story. You both are familiar with Vagrant oh, Story? Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. PS1 RPG. Yeah, so that's the Matsuno PS1 standalone from uh, Square Enix. But so... Basically, just in a nutshell, the structure of the game is that you are exploring these ruins on an island, and the gameplay works out that you're basically going from room to room in this kind of interconnected maze of rooms. Uh, you're opening chests, you're finding loot, you're look, you're of course defeating enemies, um, and it that whole kind of structure really felt like a vagrant story to me, where you're it, that kind of separated rooms that you're exploring. Uh, all interconnected. It's basically one giant maze, really. Um, it's not like a level select or anything like that. Um, and like towns? Or is there's that... only one town. That's okay. just kind of like your starting town. Um, and then, so the premise of the game is that you are that you, your character, your playable character, and your your uh, scholarly friend girl uh, are going to explore the ruins. At, at this uh on this island but as you first set out you get basically killed by a rogue swordsman oh that sucks yeah <laughs> and then that's like that's like almost like brandish in a sense like it starts off in a bad in a bad state <laughs> that's what i remembered brandish you are uh you basically fall into ruins randomly as you're being chased <laughs> by a mercenary yeah yeah uh but anyways your your life is saved thanks to something called a guardian and you basically you're told in order to basically gain your life back like fully like rather than just relying on a guardian that's basically you're clinging to life you have to explore these ruins and find the dragon slayer the sword so it kind of quickly turns from just a kind of like a field trip to like let's explore the ruins and see what we can find to holy crap now i have to like this is a matter of life or death now i have to find this sword um and then as you explore the ruins you basically find these tablets and these memoirs that your your friend uh, Char uh, translates for you, and they basically explain kind of slowly piece by piece the, the the history of these ruins, the story, and that's basically how the story is actually presented. I'm sorry, what's the name the, of that friend again that that you just it's, said? It's it's her name is Charlotte, but okay. she goes by Char, C H A R, kind of like Good. the the Gundam guy, only it, it, whatever. <laughs> There's no voice Good. acting, so. Um, but that's kind of how the story of this game is given. There are a few dialogue scenes, but a lot of the story is actually about this civilization, and it's kind of uncovered piece by piece by these pieces you find. And 
it's actually I actually found this really interesting because like some of the pieces are kind of like a dry history, like on this date this happened and these characters right. were involved. Oh, so, and so, then, there's, so there's like it's like little uh, little bits of like the the timeline and its history that like kind of made yes. up. Like it, yes, but like but it, could be like, it could be like like it, it this doesn't like relate necessarily directly to the game. It's just like it's kind of like more uh, world expanding. Okay, it, it does. But let me explain. So. Okay. um you find these tablets, and they're basically more like a dry history of the, of this ruins. Which spoiler alert: the ruins are the ruins of Xanadu. Um, I mean, they, they don't tell you that right away, but you learn it. And, you know, it's not unexpected. But and then, so that's kind of like a dry history. But then you find these memoirs, which are basically from a mysterious person, like a diary. And um, also, these these tablets and memoirs you find, you don't, they're not like in chronological order. Um, especially the the tablets which give the history, they it, it'll tell you what order they go in, but you don't find them in that order. And so it kind of is it's it's interesting the way that like you learn bits and pieces, and it's not like in the a most intuitive way, but you kind of learn these uh, bits and pieces of the story, and you kind of start to fit them together based on what pieces you find. And then when you do encounter dialogue scenes in the game, there are a couple. There's just not a lot. They'll actually reference those events. And depending on if you found that tablet or not, you have, may not have any idea what they're talking about. Um, but I actually just found it really interesting the way that the story is given, kind of like this mix between uh, these tablets, this diary from this um, from this mysterious resident of this of these uh, ancient civilization, and then just kind of like the present day events that kind of unravel well, what's going on now. And so I would just like there isn't that much story there. And if you were just to kind of list it out, like in bullet timeline form, it wouldn't really be as interesting as it is because of the way it's delivered. And I just thought that was really cool. Um, now, talking about the game itself, uh, it's it's kind of like a very, very light Diablo. So I played it with keyboard and mouse. It does have controller support, although I wasn't too fond of it. And it, 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 it's in a sense a clicker, uh, like Diablo. You, you use the mouse to, to move, and you click on enemies to fight them. Okay. Um, but it's very, very light. It's Diablo. You have like a, a bunch of different skills, and you you have different paths you can level up, and different classes you can you can be. Where this is a little bit more simplified, and that's kind of one portion of the game, or one one aspect of the game I actually kind of appreciated was that it it's not too overridden with all these mechanisms and uh, and gameplay. It's not trying to be everything at once. Yeah, it's just a kind of this. It, it kind of feels like a yeast game in that way that it's very pick up and play. It, you get familiar with things pretty readily. Like after a couple of minutes of playing around with the various systems, you basically got a hand on the, handle on the whole game. Um, and so there is a little bit more to to it than you use because you have like an inventory and you do have a couple of you do have skills and magic that you learn. But it it kind of never went above this baseline of simplicity. And I, I don't mean that as a as a criticism. I actually kind of liked it. Was just kind of a a well packaged, well constructed <laughs> game. Are there different um, like weapon types you can wield? In yeah. Uh, so the, basically, as you're going through the game, you're you're leveling up a couple of different things. You're leveling up your character, which of course gives them more uh, more HP and durability. Um, but you also use these various weapons. There's like 30 different weapons in the game, and each weapon has a skill attached to it. And if you use the weapon enough, you basically learn that skill innately. Uh, so you one of your one of your uh, driving forces when you're playing the game is basically you want to gain your proficiency with all the weapons you can find so you can learn all the skills you can, and then just expanding your arsenal, expanding what your abilities are, and it, 
Um, it kind of makes the game. That's one the game. One word that I kept coming back to in describing it is how addictive it is. Uh, part of it is yes, the bar filling. Like you want to get, you want to learn all the skills, you want to learn all the magic. Um, yeah, I've, I've always, I always like that progression type system where like I gotta fill this in and I'm gonna get real big rewards out of it. Yeah, and so another element of the game are the guardians. I said your life is saved by a guardian, and you can find more as you explore this island, and you equip one guardian at a time. And each of them has a different effect. Uh, one of them is you get more item drops from enemies. One of them is that you uh, gain more EXP. One of them is that you, your HP is higher, your magic potency is stronger. So basically, depending on the situation, you might swap guardians out. And the more you use a guardian, the stronger their their whatever their effect becomes too. So this game kind of becomes really addictive, where you're playing it, you're like. Let me just level up one more weapon, or let me power up this guardian a little bit, or let me. There's let always me a sense of progress because like you're, there's different things to like, like level up essentially. So like you, it's not just the weapons; it's also the guardian. So what kind of like guardian uh, weapon type like combination do you want to like roll with in this next ruin? I and imagine. also, and also, um, there's this game has a lot of like secret paths. I don't want to say Metroidvania, although now I just said it, but it does have a little bit of this, you know, exploration element where you're trying to find how different rooms connect to each other. There are a couple of places where you can open up shortcuts um, and you gain items as you explore this place that might allow you to progress in a, a room, an older room that you visited a while ago to get to someplace new to find a new tablet, a new guardian. So, or something. so, you, can so you can obtain like exploration, like like, like for example one item are the winged boots which okay. allow you to basically jump further and once you find them you can explore different rooms that you may have already been to but now you can nice. explore a different part of it so this game is just really really addictive in terms of like you always just want to level up your weapon level up a guardian find a new path um and also the story itself is interesting so finding things like a tablet or finding the next cutscene, those it just you um you like you log on to, to Steam to play it for a couple of minutes and then all of a sudden two hours pass and you're like holy crap, <laughs> and the, the the thing about this is that none, nothing feels like you have to grind for it so like some people I don't know might be rolling their eyes if they're listening to this like oh, leveling up weapons that doesn't sound fun but the thing is it, it, they're relatively quick so it always feels like you're making progression and doing it um so it doesn't feel like it takes too long to do any one thing. And in fact, this whole game itself, you can do basically everything in about 10 to 15 hours. So does it's... it take long to backtrack to each like ruin to like open up? No. Okay. You get you find shortcuts, and then eventually you get uh, teleportation. Um, you can teleport to different places. So even though this whole this basically this maze is uh this this game is basically one big dungeon, you you eventually get a uh, a way to teleport to different spots. So. Uh, once you get to like the the last level of the game, it, it's pretty easy to get there again using the teleport system. And then there's other shortcuts too. Um, so I just was like, I was just really like everything about this game just felt like it clicked and it kind of just felt like it it worked together without being too. It wasn't too overwrought. It wasn't too wordy in its story. It just it was kind of just a nice, neat package. And I was really glad I played it. Um, it's less than twenty dollars on Steam. It's not a super long game. You can beat it in a week. Uh, and so I, I was just, I felt like everything was done really well. The only thing is, is that it is a, actually a two thousand five game, being released in two thousand sixteen. So the character models are what you expect in a two thousand five <laughs> game. Very polygonal. Um, and uh, there's a couple of user interface things too. Like it, 
it looks kind of like a Diablo 2. I know it's not as old yeah. as Diablo 2, but it's it's not it's not especially a pretty game. I mean, I I love I the it, I love the actual art design itself. Yeah, though. I like That's the really colors. Style. I like the art. Medieval style. But it, it's it's you can you you kind of have to realize that this game is really 11 years old. Um, Which finally, is kind of standard for people. <laughs> what's old is new again. Games lately because it's like it takes yeah. Well, it's kind of like Trails in the Sky Third like coming out next year. <laughs> Trails in the Sky the Third is came out when originally two thousand. Yeah, originally two thousand six, seven, eight. Yeah, yeah, somewhere around there. Probably say seven. <laughs> yeah, so XE kind of they. But yeah, it's around that they time. They have obviously they have a following now, so sometimes they can release these older games to, you know, they're new to us. And That's cool. I mean, I, I I'm always down Common. to like uh, get older Falcom games because like old, like old Falcom is such like a weird thing because they, they were very experimental with their systems back then. Yeah, they still are, but but to a certain extent they were more like very out there like trying to like not only build but also refine in crazy ways it's like basically like trying out this system for this game and seeing does it stick it's kind of like how the yeast games you know comparing one and two to the original three to like or uh oath and felgana yeah and Virgin, to the yeah. current ones they're all the same series but they all there's so many different styles so it's... Mm-hmm. bring back the bump system oh. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly that's i was gonna ask that you say it brings back jumping. In some too, but also, it's like Falcom games that never look great. But it's yeah, yeah. I mean, even like, even uh, even the new never look. Even like the the Sen no Kaseki games, you know, they're 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 obviously PS3 games, but the you know the the visual like the art style Falcom is fine with, uh, but you know they're not they're not the most you know graphically Looks... you know intensive things, but that's fine. But yeah. That is next. I really enjoyed the point it. Point I was gonna, I was about to make is that it's. Wait, uh, Zach, you're sorry. Go ahead. Cut out. You just really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I said, I've said my piece. Yeah, it's it's not the point. I think your Zach, you're is Zach, you're cutting out. Okay, am I good? Zach, you're cutting out. Like cutting out here and there, just a little. Try again. This okay. part of the cast might have to be edited unless he comes back soon. Nah, nah, let it, let, let it roll. Well, I, I, I mean, sometimes it's fine to let these kind of hiccups roll in the cast, but it depends on if he ever comes back or not. He'll never come back. That's it. This is the end of Zach. Um, I, and I'm just thinking that the weird thing about this localization was it was shortly announced after Tokyo Zanadu got, like, uh, revealed in Japan. Not not even revealed, like, yeah, I think it did. I, th- I think I yeah, think yeah. it was a ways after Tokyo Xanadu was revealed, maybe before it released. Yeah, it was before it, it released. But yeah, before it released, but definitely like maybe a few weeks after it was revealed. And then and it was funny like uh, seeing that like if um, there'd be. Wait, did you, are you there, Adam? I'm here. Okay. I, I, anyway, um, I, it was weird when Tokyo Xanadu got uh, revealed. Like if there was gonna be. Like you know, the spiritual sequel to Xanadu next. That's like that's totally not the case, but it's weird that they they stuck with the the Xanadu like brand name for that. Yeah, so I don't know if this will be recorded or not, but uh, I've also been pl- I've before Final Fantasy 15 comes out, I'm basically using this month to try to catch up on backlog, especially earlier this year when I had basically was finishing off my degree. I just I didn't have a lot of time to play stuff, so I like had to catch up on Fire Emblem and the Bravely uh, Bravely Second and uh, a bunch of the other games that were coming out basically throughout this whole year. So I, I just finished Deus Ex. I'm playing Hyperlight Drifter, which is more that in any game I wanted to try out. But then I want to play Tokyo Mirage Sessions. I haven't started it. 
I want to play the Trails of Cold Steel's game where I haven't I haven't played either of those. So we'll see what I can get done. <laughs> You'll be fine. Don't 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 don't, uh, don't really like force yourself like yeah. Light speed but I I just, I I just while I have some time yeah, here for sure. Like November is kind of quiet for me. Like I, I know there's a couple of games coming out like Dishonored and Pokemon and things like that. But you know not games that I would maybe pick up right away anyway. Yeah, so like, I'm just, the, just the using only, the time to try to catch up a bit. The only since I'm not a big Pokemon Pokemon fan, I'm just the uh, the only things I'm picking up this month is just that new Gundam game, the SRPG one, and um, FF15. But I'm I, I told myself I was gonna try to do what you're doing and to uh try to catch up on like the backlog and stuff, and then I got fucking uh, uh, vortexed into giant robots. So it is what it is. <laughs> I'm almost out of time. There's there's another game. Gundam game coming out this month. Yep. It's what the... was the one that released recently, or sort of recently? I get them. They all blend together to they, me. The one that kind of released recently was like, uh, I think it was the beginning, somewhere in August or September. It was the it's not it was it's not a Gundam game. It was a giant robots SRPG. Oh, the Moon that was that was the Moon Dwellers. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I know uh, for localized games like English localized by Bandai Namco America. I know they released one of the Vita games and it was kind of like this really unceremonious. Oh yeah, just... the Gundam Extreme Versus Force. It was just like, I think it was digital only, Vita only, and I don't think they even put out a press release when it released. It just kind of like, it's available. Now, here you go. Like, just kind of the most unceremonious release. <laughs> from them. They do that sometimes. Yeah, it's... It wasn't the greatest entry to, 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 to get localized, but this is the new one that they announced for the P PS4 exclusively, and that's the one, uh, they already announced that that's hitting an English version in Asia. I'm, hope, I'm hoping that gets localized here, too. But who knows? It, it kind of feels weird that, like, Bandai Namco will localize most anime-type games, like JoJo's, One Piece, DBZ, Naruto, SAO, and all those, but Gundam still seems kind of iffy. Like which ones they release? Yeah, in, they're, they're still in very, America. They, so. they, I think it's just they, they don't have much confidence in like the actual brand name here. Like they don't know, like they know people know about it, but they don't know if it's actually profitable. Yeah. Which is, uh, I mean, what can you do at that point? I mean, people do out there do go out there and like support. Um, I think it was Aniplex. I don't know. I, was it Aniplex or or was Gundam it just Sunrise? Is just Sunrise usually. No, but I mean for the actual like Blu-ray box set, so maybe it's just. Oh. I don't know if, if Sunrise themselves are do that like. That. I, I'm not I'm not huge into this anime stuff, but I I even know that basically anything Gundam is usually Sunrise. Yeah, in Japan, but <laughs> it, but over here when they release the Blu-ray boxes, I don't know if that's Sunrise themselves doing it or oh. if they're going through another like American company to do it. I think it is Sunrise. Yeah. Like uh, I, I think those sell well enough to, for them to uh, obviously keep doing it and licensing more. So hopefully, like that's... for 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 like for example, the one of the Gundam shows is airing in English on American TV right now, and I know that's it's not like Viz or Aniplex. It's literally just Sunrise as so you, the so distributor. So you don't see yeah. like a like a Aniplex logo before. No, it's it's okay. not one of the it's 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 just Sunrise. Okay. Like, it's not yeah, yeah. so they be themselves. They, then. yep. <laughs> Oh, here's the hope. I remember. I remember way back when Sunrise put they put uh, Gundam Double O on their YouTube channel, both Japanese and English versions, and it was like free. It was, I found that really weird. That was several years ago now. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. They, 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 I, I don't, don't think it's hello? there anymore. I don't think it's there anymore. Uh, but hi, hi you're back. Hi. Hi. Everything good? I. You sound better. Yeah, he's not cutting out, right, Adam? Nope. 
Okay. Holy shit. I don't know why that happened. Okay, you sound really good now, so... Good. All right, that was probably what was needed to happen. Okay, okay so now, now we no longer need to fill time if we're still going to keep this in the recording. Uh, probably not. I'll probably, <laughs> not we're probably going to yeah. cut out all everything up until when I left, I think. Well, I'll listen to it, so I don't know. Josh, is it worth keeping any of that stuff you talked about? It was probably maybe a little bit too long. If it was maybe five minutes, it was fine, but that was... Uh... <laughs> probably too much. It's yeah. up to you, Josh. But if you want to send me a cut of that, then we'll, I'll, I'll think about it. But uh, we'll, we'll pick apart where we left off. So my old, what I was going to say is that that was the kind of the point that I was going to make, too, in that uh, for Falcom games, it's not so much the graphics, it's the gameplay. And Xanadu Next seems to be that type of game, right? Yeah. I mean, if you look at a screenshot of just like what the character models look like, it'd be like, wow, this game looks like shit. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but like, what, like what Josh said, the art style both just like the 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 2d art and just kind of like the colors and the the even the style of like the ruins and the the whole this town and things like that it, it works really well like it's more art style versus graphics in this case so that and that's the kind of thing uh actually i'm curious because um you've also been playing hyperlight drifter well, which is let kind me, of let the... me let me say two more things about Dynasty next oh fine I, first of all the music <laughs> is great and it's not what i expected right away like with Xanadu Next, a lot of people like to link like the music that plays at the final boss, which is kind of like a yeast, you know, guitar rock high tension track. But that's really the only track like that. The rest of the music is more solemn, uh, more melodic, melancholy type music. In fact, there's one track that sounds eerily like the main ruin track in Vagrant Story, but it's it's but it's still really good. It's it's just really good, so- calm, soothing music. Um, so it's definitely a standout. And one thing that Josh was mentioning that I don't know if this was in the dead time or not yeah, I know. The, was that this was announced <laughs> this was announced as a localization sometime after Tokyo Xanadu was revealed. And there's kind of like two things here. When Tokyo Xanadu was kind of first teased, Xanadu Next, which was 10 years ago released in Japan, was the most previous entry. So, you know, you kind of expect just naturally maybe a little look or feel something like that. But Tokyo Xanadu, it, it looks more like the Senno Kaseki series only it's set. It's not like a fictional world. It's set in Japan, um, Tokyo Xenadu, obviously. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it looks to have kind of a totally different type of tonal style to it. Tokyo Xenadu was a weird thing when it first was revealed because like you saw a key visual was like the sunset in Tokyo yeah. and like it was like there was like rubble on the like on the like, like a highway. It, it was, looked like post-apocalyptic or something. Yeah, it was, it was really weird. And then it was it's more revealed just kind of be like like modern tokyo uh type game and all i understand is that the gameplay is also totally different from from xanadu next but it's not like a kaseki game either it's kind of like more of an action rpg with various party members and well we'll get it next year uh at least a version of it uh that we'll get to see so it's they it's kind of funny they they share the same series but they look to be xanadu next to tokyo xanadu pretty different in their style i just found it like real interesting i told adam earlier uh, was that they they retained the 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 brand Zanadu name to it? Uh, so I've, I'm wondering where they where that actual brand name is going to Where go. does it come in? And, yeah. Where does that actually come in in the game? Like from what I understand, a lot of the Xanadu games have to do with like the Dragon Slayer, like the main sword. Yeah, yeah. Is, Like in killing dragons, mythical creatures, kind of like medieval style. And then like, well, how does that fit with Tokyo Xanadu? Well, Tokyo who Dragons. Knows? <laughs> They'll, they'll be like Yakuza, like, I am the Dragon Slayer or something. I don't know. 
<laughs> Some okay. I mean, weird, weird <laughs> metaphors. <laughs> it's probably just marketing reasons that they did that. I mean, Xenadu, the original one, was Dragon Slayer 2, so yeah, it makes sense. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Tokyo Xenadu, I'm sure, like, uh, it's just name recognition at that. Because I remember, I, I'm pretty confident this was actually brought up before when they announced Tokyo Xenadu. It's like, what ties it into the rest of the series? It just, from everyone, from the from where it was all boiled down, it seemed like it was just marketing reasons. That's they, it. They didn't want to tell you this, but I'll, I'll reveal it here. There's a there's a dragon in a uh, Japanese business suit in that game. Just straight up. He'll just d- go down the elevator and bam. Just uh, some dragon. There's an elevator. Oh, spoilers. In oh, in Tokyo Xenadu? Okay. Yes, there you go. That's why. He's being 100% serious, by the way. I, I, I'm not. If, he's played those games, so I'm not, I'm not too... Uh, I haven't played Tokyo Zombie yet. I have no idea. He's just bullshit. <laughs> anyway, so you were playing Hyperlight Drift, Adam. Yeah, as well. so the so other. It's kind of the same vein, yeah. Uh, I think I talked about this, unless it was in Shitty the part that was, unless this was part that was cut. But yeah, I'm just trying... uh, depending on how this like podcast is cut, I'm just gonna let anyone, anyone people, any people know, like there's this weird dead time because we... Jack, uh, Zach's Wi-Fi kind of shitted out. Did on you him. just call me Dracula? I said no. I said Zach. Zach's Wi-Fi sounded like yeah. Dracula. Oh my god, uh, that's amazing. <laughs> anyways, yeah, we it's cut out for a bit, thing. so if good, you can't, good. if you couldn't tell, we we're we're trying to catch up on what we talked about and what we didn't talk about. Sure, guys, time. don't just brush it off, address it head on. So okay, uh, well, anyways, I in November before Final Fantasy 15 releases, just trying to catch up on my backlog. Um, so I've been playing some Hyper Light Drifter, which is an indie kind of a 2D. We talked about it, I think, uh, several podcasts ago. Uh, for a brief, uh, briefly, but it's kind of like an indie 2D kind of action game with some RPG elements uh, with this retro pixel art style. I don't know what you would most... Uh, well, what platform are you playing it on? I'm playing it on PC, on Steam. Oh, okay. Um, are, you, are you using the patch that like bumps it up to 60? Or not, oh, not, not the patch, like the... There's, like, it, it's data. 60 FPS. Okay. I, I, I didn't realize that might not have been there originally. Oh yeah, that was that was uh, a. That's the, a. There's it's obviously but... being. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Obviously, being an indie game, there's not like a ton of visual, uh, like options. But I think it, you you can basically toggle VSync and you can toggle, uh, 60 or 30 FPS. Okay, yeah, because um, the last time I heard about that it was like it was in a weird like beta patch that had 60 FPS. I didn't know if that was actually official now or not. But this is definitely the type of game where it, 60 FPS, you know, is, it's it's kind of like this smooth flowing action 2D game so it, it, the 60 fps works really well for that um and i guess uh just to get my nutshell thoughts on it on this in a nutshell it's it's got some really cool design in terms of the art style um and it's 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 fairly difficult it's not like i i, I heard it re- kind of com- compared to dark souls with this difficulty like everything is nowadays it's it's it can be it can get tricky at times but it's not overwhelmingly difficult it's definitely skill but, based though yeah um, I guess I feel like it is a little bit repetitive. You could basically go like in four different directions, north, south, east, west, and you basically explore it. You find these triangle pieces, and then you fight a boss. Then you go the other directions, and I, I do feel like I'm, I'm probably more than halfway through it. It, it may be a little bit repetitive because you kind of do the same thing four times, really. Um, so once you kind of get that vertical slice of gameplay, you do it over and over. But um, I still think it's a pretty ambitious game. The art style does wonders for it. Um, and just kind of like as that indie experience, it's it's a pretty neat little game. Pretty nifty. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's it's fair formulaic, but its style works. It definitely aims for a certain mood and tone. And I think it do, does that really well. I And just the pixel art graphics are just are pretty incredible. 
Yeah, it's, it's it, it, there's a couple of, it does some cool things like when your character gets like hit or hurt, like kind of like it does like these kind of glitch type mm-hmm. uh, graphics. And then like during a couple of they're not really cutscenes, but during in a couple of places, it'll it'll switch to like a scene. And just the way that these, these scenes, I, I use that term liberally work like just with this 2D art style, it just it, it it's it's really stylish. So it's kind of it's. It, 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 in a sense, it almost feels like style over substance, but not not overwhelmingly. What, so. What's your general approach to combat at the moment? The uh, just like uh, what's, what's your like play style in there? I'm pretty cautious, so like I will, I, I will, I will tell an enemy's attack, and like once they like lunge at me, I'll go behind them and slash a couple of times, and then they'll let them lunge at me again, and I'll slash a couple more times, and I, I only use my gun very sparingly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm pretty cautious. I don't like go recklessly, like just slashing away and downing the health potions when I need to. Right. I try to conserve them. So for sure, they're pretty sparse, especially early on. Yeah. You don't have a lot of health, so like when you get hit once or twice, you kind of have to use a potion. So I kind of learned that basically the best thing to do is just not get hit at all. So. Well, speaking of gameplay styles, uh, you've also decided to catch up on Deus Ex Mankind Divided. You were mentioning before that this was a perfect time to kind of catch up before Game of the Year deliberations. And we plan on doing those for the listeners um, sometime in the middle of next month. Uh, I won't go into all that, but just know that that's kind of coming up for you us. Can listen so. to, you can listen to us debate which game is Five the best hours. game for like hours and hours. 20 hours, hours. straight. So, 20 hours. The reason I bring that up is that because Josh asked about your play style at Hyperlight. Well, have you been playing in Deus Ex? Have you been kind of the action type or the stealthy type? Or I gotta go stealth. And <laughs> I, I, I know that's the popular thing to do with teams, but okay, um, not lethal or non-lethal though. Non-lethal. That's what I mean. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Just especially because in the first in Deus, first of all, I really like Deus Ex: Human Revolution, and I should note I, I haven't actually played the other two games. Um, but in Human Revolution, at least in the original version, it kind of felt awkward because you could get through basically most of the game without killing anyone. But then you had these awkward boss fights come in that were just like played totally differently from everything else. And that was that was pretty much the main criticism of that game. So much so that when they re-released the game, they tweaked that part specifically. Right? They, they had a yeah. really weird, um, I guess, uh, solution to that in, in Bandkind. Yeah, I heard... <laughs> well... Well, first of all, in Human Revolution Director's Cut, I know they made it so like you could avoid the boss battles somehow. I, I never actually played the Director's Cut version. Um, I heard it wasn't like the best implementation. It was, felt like a Band-Aid. But they they uh, they realized that that part of the game was awkward. But anyways, in Mankind Divided, there really aren't boss battles yeah. <laughs> uh, at all. Um, there are a couple of like key enemies, but there's always a way around it, usually through discussion or just literally walking around it. Um, but so Mankind Divided, the thing I like about it most, like what really sticks out to me, is the level design, like both in the city of Prague and in the various places you go to, like the the Garm facility is one of the places in the Alps. Uh, you go to London and you go to, uh, you go to like other places. But all the levels, like it, there's just so many different paths that connect different places and they're not all especially obvious. Yes, there's usually the ventilation ducts um, that get you from place to place, but sometimes there's just like these ledges um, and uh, there's a lot of verticality to places. There's so many different ways you can navigate around the world. It kind of feels like almost like a jungle gym of a level design. And I, I just think it's really cool that there's just so many different ways you can navigate through a place to take it on. 
Um, that's obviously one thing they really focused on in this game was kind of this choice element of how you you can you can take out the guards, you can just raise the alarms and just kill them all and then proceed your way through. Uh, have you I've used like, playing... any of the new like experimental uh, skills? Yeah, so they added some augments to the game uh, where the game originally you can only access so many of them until your your character starts to glitch. Um, like literally in the game, like you can't use them because they'll break or something like that. I've been careful not to. But one of the experimental augs is like a, it's called like a Tesla shot, which is literally like a, a sh like a, like a shockwave that you shoot. It's non-lethal that you can target multiple enemies at once, shoot it and knock them out. It almost feels once you upgrade it, almost a little broken. They're like, oh, there's three guys in this room. You can just cloak yourself, line them up, shoot it. And now they're gone, and totally stealthy. No one hears it apparently. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, it's um, the story stuff is okay. You know, it the story mostly feels like it's. It, it, I, I actually just cleared the game earlier today. It, it's pretty much building to a sequel. Um, like they're they're not even hiding it. Like it feels like nothing was really accomplished in this game. That yeah, it's all that building up. That was the main thing I was kind of bummed about in that game. Uh, like, there, like I, I didn't I didn't even realize the final boss was the final boss because mm -hmm. it didn't it didn't feel like a final boss. Like wait, that was that was the end. Uh, so I guess they're building it up to the next game. So I'm pretty sure uh, Eidos Montreal has been pretty uh, open with that. Like yeah, we're gonna make another we're gonna make another Deus Ex game in this like trilogy i guess maybe that's what they're gonna do but yeah i really like trilogy yeah i really like the world design uh i really like the it, it just seems like they did a really good job at opening up like what like opening up the various avenues of gameplay one thing that mankind or human revolution didn't do so well was that you were rewarded more for being stealthy because you got more experience mm -hmm. yeah so from what I've that's seen, almost the preferable way to do it because you yeah, don't, you like you're almost handicapping plus. yourself yep. if you weren't. But from what I've seen, although I've been being stealthy anyways, from what I've seen, uh, this game balances the XP a little bit better. So if you're not stealthy and you don't want to be, you just want to you know go guns blazing, you're not handicapping yourself. You, you know, so that was just kind of a balancing that they yeah they do a better tweaked. job of that because they actually give you bonuses if you go that other route. Yep. And also things like I think in the first game or in Human Revolution, like if you had a key code to a panel, you didn't want to use it because you'd want to hack it. Because if you hack it anyway, you get more EXP. Where now it seems like the EXP you get for using a key code or for hacking it is about the same. I still I still think hacking is a minor advantage, but they 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 basically tweak things like that. So it's it it's better for open ended play. I'm one of those so. weird people that actually kind of like the hacking mini game. <laughs> I don't think it's too bad. It's 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 one of those. It's like ah, sure, why not? Part of the experience, yeah. It's as opposed to something so simple. Uh, if you like the, is the hacking mini game better than it was in the first Deus Ex? I think it's about the same. I about like, the same. I don't, it's, it's, it's I, don't I don't recall exactly if there's uh, any differences, but yeah, I don't think I'd it... have to go back to Human Revolution. I feel like it, it's a little bit more aggressive because there's it definitely it's definitely more bigger in a sense. Like there's a lot more nodes on it. Some nodes seem more populated in Mankind Divided than. In human revolution yeah I, it's like, I, yeah, I, I do feel like like you can always i always sometimes just save scum my way around it but like if you get to a, <laughs> if, you, if you get to a terminal that's like a level five terminal like that's a pretty significant difference to hack it than versus like a level two terminal um i don't remember if it was that way in human revolution where it's like a level five terminal if you try to hack it it's it can be you have to get lucky 
that's why you can save scum. Uh, but they're they're pretty expensive in terms of actually trying to get solve that mini game. But because like, if you fail it, that hacking mini game doesn't like alert the people around you. It, that... it depends on what it is. So if yeah. it's like just if it's like a like a door, it will. If it's just like someone's laptop, I think it'll just cut, lock you out of it if you fail. Oh, and you can't go back. Yeah, it's sorry. It's just that it's been it so long. On what you're, it depends on what you're hacking. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I definitely been meaning to play uh, Mankind Divided. And you mentioned like Idis Montreal. It just reminded me that recently it came out that they might be working on the next Tomb Raider game. Uh, so that seems like oh, yeah. you mentioned that there might be a new Deus Ex game. It could be that you know that might be another project they're working on and they're just growing their studio. But it seems like Square Enix. Uh, clearly put a lot of investment into deus ex as a series as a franchise so you've got like deus ex you've got uh you know hitman been doing extremely well of course you got final fantasy and kingdom Hearts. it seems like for the western um audience it seems like hitman and tomb raider and deus ex those are the three main ones it feels like and i and i and i, and, uh, I think my perception is is that deus ex is might be the biggest of those three i mean maybe tomb raider is bigger I'm not sure. I would probably put Deus Ex at this point, but, just as far as namesake. But Tomb Raider obviously does very well. But it just seems like, yeah, it, Deus Ex seems like it's a kind of kind of speaking less about the game and more about the company. There is some awkward stuff in Mankind Divided that I, I've seen people talk about. Sonic, <laughs> I know Sonic. Well, not 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 the bonus stuff, but uh, okay. okay. First of all, some cameo stuff. Like you can find the Cameo's portal cube. Cool. You can find the portal cube uh, in there. Uh, the heart one from portal two or is that from portal one you know one of the companion cubes um and then uh that's from portal yes you yeah. can you can find like a knuckles game from sega <laughs> yeah sonic and so, knuckles and knuckles and knuckles and knuckles yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's so silly <laughs> i actually i actually didn't find it in my game but like when i was watching the credits it's just kind of silly like the credits are you know kind of no nonsense credits you know just whatever and then like at the very end of it it's like the knuckles image is property of sega i knew it was in it i've seen i've seen like it tweeted or whatever i just oh, didn't find it. i didn't find it myself um but uh what i was going to mention was like when throughout the game you can find breach software which is like a collectible but all it does is unlock something for the breach mode, which is the multiplayer mode. Yes. And then there's also these other things you find. They're triangle codes. It's like another collectible. And they're like, you have to use the Deus X Universe app to unlock them. I've never actually even bothered. I don't even know what they give you. If they give you, maybe they, might, maybe they give you like the Praxis kit, which is what you basically level up with. I don't know. But like the way they kind of like are trying to like branch out the game, like now it's got multiplayer and you can use the mobile app. And then there's these other, there's even some of those triangle codes you can only unlock if you have played Deus Ex Go, the, the, the puzzle game. That's different from the Deus Ex Universe app. But it kind of feels like this, I, I've heard people talk about this, like Jim Sterling, this like, it almost feels like corporate meddling of Square Enix. Like, you can't just have a single player Deus Ex game. You have to try to branch it out with a multiplayer mode and a, and a, a mobile app and a mobile That's, game. I mean, we talked about on Monday, uh, how Square Enix is definitely doing that with the recent announcement of a mobile MMO that's yeah. uh, drawn by Final Fantasy 15. I know, I know, Mankind Divided just got like a big update for Breach where they added, I think it was like eight or nine new maps for that mode. And so clearly they're putting a lot of investment into that as well. But yeah, it's it's you know it's 2016. Uh, yeah, you can't yeah, think... release just a single player game anymore if you want to profit. That's just kind yeah. of how it is. Like XCOM does it too. I mean, it, they, it just you know, kind of feels a little awkward to like pick up this 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 item in the game. And like this is for breach mode like oh 
Yeah, I forgot that existed. <laughs> yeah, people the sooner people get used to that stuff happening. I mean, obviously Final Fantasy 15 went a little overboard with that, I, but really it's just and, what's happening. And also, also, uh, I haven't gotten there yet, but I believe like the one DLC that they released for this so far has like a breach mode like part of it. So it's almost like, yeah. hey, here's what the breach mode is like. You think it's cool? Well, you can go play it. You know. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. There was an Assassin's Creed game that had like special locked chests that you either only get with like UB Unity points. points that was or... Unity. Yeah, it was like you had to you had to use the app to unlock the the chests that were around there. That yeah. was in Unity, and they eventually got rid of that and it just let you open them up normally. So and the and of course the uh, the following game. What was that? Syndicate that did away with that completely. So thank God. But that's that's just how it was. Yeah, I remember those chests. That was one of the many problems with Unity <laughs> that people talked about. Ridiculous. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's. I definitely want to get on to Mankind Divided before the end of the year. But it seems like we've got too many games uh, that we need to be focusing on. Um, Adam, anything else? Has that just been taking up your time though? I will say that Mankind Divided. It's kind of only barely an RPG. It's really more of a stealth shooter. Yeah, I know you get level ups and you can unlock different uh, like equipment and stuff. It's just kind of like a very lightly RPG. It's just I'm thinking about in terms of like our, our, our website and, you know, how we consider this game an RPG. It, it well, is. That's, it's, that's just what all the whole yeah. DSX series has been like. That's yeah, just, that's, you know, enough yeah. that to consider it to be one. But speaking of games that you were trying to play before the end of the year, Josh, you were playing Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE. How's that been? Yeah, you? I've been uh, I've been playing that here and there. I'm also kind of on the same boat with Adam, and like I'm I'm playing I'm trying to treating November because I'm kind of for me it's a light November. I only have uh, uh, G Generation Genesis and FF15 at the end of the month. Gotta have the Gundam yeah. game. Gotta have Gotta the Gundam. Gundam. Um, how many Gs are in that Gundam? Yes. Too many Gs, but so many Gs. somehow never enough. Uh, oh. So I've been <laughs> playing uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, and it's in it's in a weird thing because. Obviously, I played Persona 5 before this game, so I can start seeing how they kind of, how this is kind of like the a stair step to uh, Persona 5. Uh, right now, I'm I'm kind of a little bit early on. I'm like in the intermission between Chapter One and Chapter Two. Um, it's it's a really uh, different game from well, from what I imagined it, and but in a good way. Like it's a, it's a very focused on you know the entertainment business. Uh, Performers yeah. uh, aspiring to you know get into that uh, industry, whether it be you know like uh, stage plays or singing uh, or more theatrical style type of stuff. It kind of reminded me like uh, some shades of like uh, how Persona Five presents itself. It's uh, like how Persona Five presents very theatrical performance. Uh, you know, uh, even though like the premise itself isn't that like that, but the way they the feel of it, uh, like the music and the way they like the motions that those characters go through when they uh, present themselves. It's kind of reminiscent of that. Um, I guess that what I miffed at about this game, because I'm playing off the disc version, like the pre-battle loading kind of stays there a little bit too long for my, for my taste. And uh, like the, the the battles are kind of take longer than they should because of sessions. And if you guys don't remember, uh, sessions are basically you hit an enemy's weakness and that'll start in like an attack chain depending on like, you know how you hit that weakness if it's like a certain weapon type it might activate this session yeah attack. I, I i heard you know I, I i this is also a game i need to get to but i heard it's kind of like 
you know, their version of, you know, hitting a, uh, a weakness in a Shin Megami Tensei game. Yeah, that's pretty you, much You get that. extra, in Shin Megami Tensei, you get extra attacks for hitting weaknesses, so it's kind of like... Yeah, it's kind of automated, like it goes yeah. down to the quote-unquote extra turn. But it's so cool when it happens. It's yeah. like everyone, it's like everyone, you see people get excited, like, yes, do it, attack him, hit this weak point, and then they all jump in on him. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, but it, it kind of, since you can't skip these session attacks, really, like, it turns no. like a, it turns, it takes a... It makes a 10 second battle into like a 25 to 30 second one because you're waiting for all because some of them can get really flashy too. And like it, it's, it looks cool like the first few times, but then you can do it again and again and again. And it's like, I can see how that could get irritating. It, it's kind of it, like, it's like inflating the time that I, that I should actually spend with this game, you know? It's, like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, I haven't played this game, so I'm just kind of going by assumption, but right. like, Wait. it kind of feels like the summon creatures in like a Final Fantasy game. Like, you summon it once, and it's like, oh yeah, that's really cool. Then like, okay, I'm turning the animation to short. <laughs> okay, I, I want to point this out. Actually, if I remember right, I did end up uh, figuring out how to skip those animations. I think you just... That? I think you just press L, and that's. I think I took from my Neptunia knowledge. If you hit L, I think it skips the whole animation. I know in options you can actually skip that into all that stuff too. Oh, so if you're tired of that, yeah, I really, yeah. I had, no, I, had, I, just, I had no idea. I was like, I tried to find it, and no one ever mentioned it. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, there's. A, I think there's like a toggle in the options because I remember going. That was like the first thing I did was hit the options menu, and I remember seeing that. But I do believe you can just hit L, the L button, and that does it too. That would so, be, yeah, that'd be amazing. Hot tip um, for people. What are your thoughts on the like level design? Because that was the, that was the one thing that like originally stood out to me. Like, how is this different from Persona? Obviously, I know Persona <laughs> Five is different, but like Persona Three and Four don't really even have level design. It's just. That's dungeon. kind of how it is in this game too, right? Uh, yeah, this isn't this isn't like automated like dungeons like or not automated but a randomly generated dungeon like Persona Three and Four. It, but oh. right now since I'm so there are set design pieces, uh, like Persona Five, they are have their own uh, layout and everything. But right now since I'm so early on, it's it's so basic. Like I don't nothing. It's not it doesn't leave a strong impression on me. The the one the chapter one's uh, level design was uh, it had a like a, a gimmick. To it, is that the one kinda, with the maid? Yeah, the, the, the gigantic maid costumes that you have to yeah. uh, manipulate the arms to gain to higher levels. Like that was that was that was cool. Like the first like, two times. <laughs> yeah. And then it kept doing it again and again oh, and again. And like, came bad. Uh, it, yeah, it's. I'm I'm hoping That's... that there there'll be big step ups in the in the actual dungeon design because that I, I don't I don't want the design the dungeon designs to just like hey check out this cool gimmick and then we're gonna keep on doing it throughout the whole dungeon without. Oh, it, it gets better. Okay. I'll tell you from experience. It definitely. How, it how does far are you, better. Zach? I'm about ten hours into that okay. game. I knew I knew you started it, but I had no idea how far you got. Yeah, <laughs> I just need to get back. I've been busy with other stuff, but I do want to. I do plan on getting back to it before the uh, game of the year stuff. Yeah. yeah I do. I, 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 I do like uh, like uh, maximizing how much I can get out of like uh, each weapon though, and that because whenever you instead of like. Tiki from the Fire Emblem series is kind of like your quote-unquote fusion person in there, except yeah. you're making new weapons. And uh, when you're, you can level up these weapons to gain like new abilities from them. So that's how they, you, you teach your characters spells and uh, passive abilities by leveling up weapons and whatnot. Yeah, and it happens quickly, just like when Adam you're talking about Zenitor next. The weapon level ups happen fairly quickly in in this game too. Uh, so you're not spending too much time grinding or anything like that. At least from what I had to deal with. It so doesn't. Far. It doesn't feel like a chore. Like in Xenodon no. next, it, it was it was like enjoyable to unlock them. So the, yeah, the only I, chore I, I, was I, I, having. Go ahead. 
I like I just hate it. Like it's it's a, it's a tricky thing to balance. Like how long do you make it so it feels like it was, you know, some effort to do it, but not too long to feel like a chore, um, you know? Yeah. Just, the you don't want to, you don't want to make it just kind of uh, you don't want to make it you know, like not a trivial where it's what's even the point, but you don't want it to take too long for things like that or more generally like leveling up any sort of skill or any sort of filling any bar. Yeah, the only chore in that game was having to make your way back to the uh studio i forget what the name of it the 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 office to have your stuff be changed but that's that's the only experience but uh josh so how far how far have you gotten into uh to fire emblem so far the tokyo mars session sorry yeah (laughs) oh yeah i was uh i'm currently in the interlude uh, or intermission between chapter one and chapter two so i'm still fairly early on i i really want to uh spend more time with it but i i just I was gonna yeah, play like, his Gundam game. Look, I okay, so I was gonna get through like a good chunk of I was, I was trying to get through a good chunk of backlog for game of the year stuff, and then like just giant robots came, and I'm like, oh my god, giant robots is in again. I abducted I you from yeah, your they home. Just, they just kidnapped me. I'm like, oh my god, that's amazing. I don't need to ever go back, right? You're like, yeah, you're fine here. Uh, so aside from Tokyo Mirage Sessions, I've been going real hard on Titanfall 2. Um, and that has right. been an amazing experience. Probably one of my easily one of my favorite games uh, this year. Uh, I've been, I'm, I'm almost, I've heard I I have not heard anything bad about the campaign. What did you think about the campaign? I've almost done the campaign probably like at the last stretch of it. Like probably, probably like if I'm probably coming up on the final level right now. It has been ridiculous in all the right ways. There, I don't want to spoil on this podcast, but there are mechanics in it. That you can probably make an entire game out of, and they're just like one-off like levels in there. It's like ah, uh, it's one of those things that uh, since I was kind of following like the de- uh, developer documentaries this game, uh, if you recall Uncharted 3's development cycle of how like they they uh, designed it to have like these uh, key segments like the chase scene in there, and then design you know like the actual assets around that, and then a story. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, set piece uh, like for example, they did yeah. the set pieces. Like, yeah. like I, yeah. like I don't know specifically if this is it, but like we want to have a ship graveyard. Now, yeah. how does it, fit, how does this fit into the story? I don't know. Figure that out later. Yeah. So, uh, so. Th- they basically I uh, designed campaign levels around that, where like there were like uh, specific like mechanics or like level design pieces that they want to integrate into the story, and then just design you know why you have to be like say for example in an assembly line. Uh, so as they're like making houses like in this factory, you're just uh, uh, traveling around it. And with Titanfall 2's mobility, like you have the, this uh, suit, pilot suit that you're wearing that can double jump and wall run and then like wall slide. And then just being able to go around that environment as like these things are happening in the environment with those mobility options just feels so liberating. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for me to go back to like a standard shooter for a while because. Like the pace of Titanfall 2 is what I like about shooters. I really like very fast-paced shooters. That that just you're you you shoot someone, then you're on the go. Yeah, you wall run. You see you see this person. You shoot. The, you get a headshot on them while you're wall running. You're just you're just constantly moving, calling your Titan, fuck up shit, and it's just very very like there's there's you're constantly like on an adren- adrenaline, just going through these really fast. Uh, so the campaign has been. Very surprising because obviously the first uh, game didn't have much of a campaign. It's more like a standard tutorial thing. Can barely be called a campaign. Let's say there was a single player mode, not necessarily a campaign. I actually um, forgot that the first Titanfall didn't really have a campaign. It was yeah. multiplayer, basically multiplayer only. I totally forgot. Mm-hmm. I hadn't played it, so. But so they really took that into heart and made like just a 
unexpectedly spectacular one because, because... I've, I've heard two people say that they played Titan, they played Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, its campaign, or is that the newest one? Whatever yeah. the newest one is, Infinite Warfare. And then they played Titan Falls 2's first level, and they're like, okay, that first level already beats anything in Call Holy of Duty. Shit. So <laughs> I've heard more than one person say that, so that's pretty pretty good. And it's also, it's all just like beyond the level design, uh, it's also just like the actual writing itself. It's like not like spectacular or anything, but the the kept these little clips with like your your giant robot. Like they, you guys talk to each other. You even have like dialogue options. Like just like they don't affect anything in the story, but they're just like what do you what would make for an interesting conversation like uh, as your next you know line to it and it can be like it, I like that how most of these are uh, range from like boring standard response to like just be a, a sarcastic asshole to him. You know, and and this is it's it's funny because he's like he's a robot. He takes things very you know literally. So like we're trying to make idioms to like kind of take that straight. And it's just like Fuck. wait, which character is a robot? Your main character or just one person uh, you're speaking with? The the robot it, it's uh it's a separate character. Is uh he's called BT. And he's uh, he's like a main character. That yeah, you're he's basically he's with? basically your 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 buddy, your partner. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Because you get him very early on, and um, he's uh, with you for the majority of the game. Sometimes things happen, and you get separated with him. But the nice thing is that he's always linked up to you in your helmet, so you're always like, you know, even if you're like doing a section just on your own, separated from him, um, you guys still can still trouble each other and whatnot. And just it's it's a just a nice just a nice looking campaign, you know. I mean, the environments look nice. The only thing that I don't like is the actual faces, but well, you know. Uh, and this is it's, it's kind of surprising because I know when they had the uh, open beta, mm -hmm. I heard a lot of negativity, like, oh, wow, it sounds like it's they they like are trying to change Titanfall too much or something like that. And then, like, now that the game is out fully, like much more positive. Yeah. So as someone who hasn't actually played the game, I, I'm honestly not super familiar with it. That's kind of the thing that stuck out to me was like this kind of this wave of negativity pre-release and this bunch of positivity afterwards so yeah the main thing about the beta uh from what i heard like, they only had the bounty hunt mode which is like kind of like their quote-unquote new main mode that was it's kind of not that great so bounty hunt is essentially um getting a, a bigger prize pool uh over your opponent uh you get you get uh bonus like cash for uh playing well in it so normally when you uh, kill someone you get paid out uh, they're, they're worth a certain amount um, but if you live lo if you live longer, you can amass more of that because they're like each quote unquote wave uh, uh, banks open up where you can deposit that bonus. If you get killed, it reduce it, it takes that bonus uh, cash that you stored up by fifty percent. So it's like it's an interesting thing on paper, but doesn't really work well in the sense of how Titanfall plays. Like the the mode that was always like Titanfall, uh, like what Titanfall was known for was called attrition. And attrition is basically like your standard team deathmatch, but you have uh, AI uh, grunts along with you, so you can use those as well to uh, aid your, you know. And that's back. Yeah, and that's back, thankfully. So they brought that back in the full game. Oh, and yeah. That's the, that's the main mode I've been playing along with that uh, amped hard points, basically, basically capture the bases and uh, protect them and whatnot. And it's just, it's the way I, the one thing I really. Uh, I'm very surprised that it's also not only just like having like a solid campaign, but the way they uh, structure their multiplayer uh, multiplayer infrastructure. Like basically, when you um, go in the game, you're connected to this uh, data center, whatever's uh, near you. You can always switch it uh, and whatnot. And then you go in the multiplayer, and then you, it basically 
like kind of minimizes like lag between the players because you're usually matched up with people uh, in your region uh, yeah. and whatnot. But the way that you uh, hook up with other people, like say groups or clans or whatnot, or just how uh, with your friends, is you can just basically uh, make networks and um, you invite people to that network, and then it's kind of like a like a, a just a static group that's uh, you can always play with them. Like, say I have uh, uh, I make a network and I invite ten people to it. I'll always see if they're online or offline, and then like if I, cool. if I just want to party up with them, I don't have to go to like each and every single one and send an invite. I'll just say uh, invite network, and whoever wants to join into that party, they can join in, and then we'll go into a match uh, playlist uh, right away. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and that's like that's like built into the game. That's yeah, like separate from yep. like Steam or PSN or whatever. You're playing this on PC. Uh, yeah, PC on uh, Origin. Yeah. So uh, that's been uh, pretty got pretty well, and it's nice that like on the, in these networks you can switch them at any time. So I'm oh, like uh, so I'm switching between like my my, my friends at like another uh, group, along with like the giant bomb people. Uh, I've joined their group <laughs> and whatnot. And um, just about been fun partying it up. And also, the the nice thing about its multiplayer progression is that the way you level up isn't like by a standard bar to like the next level. It's just merits, like uh, the like doing certain actions. Yeah, certain actions. So it's like always like usually ten uh, merits to level up, but these merits are so easy to get, because like you can get a merit from like say just performing well on like you escape from the dropship that um uh, came to pick you up. If you because if you lose in a multiplayer match. Um, there'll be like a, it won't immediately end the match, there'll be an epilogue sequence in which the losers have to go uh, retreat to an evac point to get at the dropship. And then obviously the, the the winners have to try and like stop them uh, from retreating and they can actually blow up that dropship that uh, evacs them if the, if everyone's on it. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so you get, you get, like say you get a merit point for that for successfully escaping or for like, uh, getting a certain amount of kills on your gun and that, or just uh, killing amount of pl uh, a certain amount of players, or doing the objective. It's very easy did to get you... merits. I'm sorry, did you just call it a Gundam? No. He just said gun. Oh, I thought you said killed in your yeah, gun. Like shooting I'm a like... gun, <laughs> shooting a gun on the dropship. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I he said, said he said gun on the dropship. Yeah, I thought like you yeah. were crossing the streams a little too hard there, but oh, yeah. Oh man. You sorry. Uh, yeah, and then um, let's see. So yeah, easy to get merits, and the nice thing about these is. In your networks, there's a, um, a happy hour in them that uh, the admin can set. And every, if you, as long as you play in the, like a game during happy hour when you're at that group, you get like a free five merits for just pleading a game, whether you win or lose. You so know? basically, you can just set like, hey, group people in my network, let's play every Thursday at 7 or something. And no, if you no, play no, at that no, time, no, you get bonuses? Not, not even th every Thursday, like every day at 7. Oh okay. Yeah, so it's a nice specific day, just like a specific specific hour in the game, you know. Um, then you know so, you yeah. get you get you get your own, uh, just unlockables and whatnot, different new guns, new Titan types. I actually like the new Titan types, like the one I'm rolling with right now. It's called Ronin. Basically, has the a gigantic sword, a gigantic shotgun, and does like electric slash sword waves to things, and you just go dash in there and fuck shit up with your sword. It's it's fantastic. Just uh, beam swords are always cool. It's not, it's whatever not beam, it's whatever not you call it's it. Like, it's a gigantic hunk of steel. It's like a buster sword. Okay. When you when you when you when you when you described it, I'm picturing basically a Gundam. <laughs> they're pretty much. They're they're almost there. But yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. I've been really digging it.
Um, yeah, I mean that it sounds like uh, it, it kind of came out in between Battlefield and Call of Duty, which you know those are kind of like the the juggernauts in that genre. But I'm not talking about sales, but it sounds like Titanfall has kind of made its own niche about like it's different enough and good enough at what it does to stand out. So I'm just glad that again, they nailed it, you know, like uh, because yeah. the, the first one was like it had a really cool concept and nailed a lot of things right, especially with mobility. It's and then they a, seem to have expanded on that in the proper ways. Yeah. So it seems like it, it seems like it. So. It's I can't I can't wait for the next one. I I can't wait for the next one. Um other than that, I've been I've also gotten into another side of giant robots. Um I re, I'm revisiting Gundam Breaker 3 that came out around March or April this year. I'm playing the English version because the, a kind friend of mine uh bought it for my birthday gift. Um, Remind me, Gundam Breaker Three is a Muso game. Yeah, it's it plays like a Muso game. It's a it's a hack and slash, but it's very yeah. very very customizable in which like you basically uh, take parts from other uh, model kits and kit bash them together. So you're basically making your own, or you can do play it straight. You can uh, you can just build like say this uh, like the Unicorn Gundam from like using all its parts and just uh, play you know actual like, Unicorn Gundam in the hack and slash part of it. And whatnot, but it's been a lot of my friends have been getting back into it, or actually getting into it uh, for the first time, uh, because there's this whole. Wasn't wasn't there like an update or something? Yeah, there recently. Been, that's why I kind of uh, been going back into it real hard because they've been continually updating the game uh, in certain ways uh, that make playability easier. Like I, one of my chief complaints uh, back then was, like after you complete the game once, you unlock a new difficulty called Extreme. And in extreme, you start uh, getting higher, uh, better quality parts that are bigger, because like you know in Gunplaz there's high grades and master grades. Master grades are bigger than high grades. So, but in this extreme mode, like stages just took forever to complete because there's like the enemy inflation was ridiculous. Like stages that should take like 15 minutes take like 30, 35 minutes. Uh, let me just say that I haven't played that many Muzo games, but that seems that that that's one thing that kind of keeps me hesitant is that they seem like some of the levels just can take so long. I yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's more of a perception on my part than an experience, but from what I have played, it just feels like sometimes it can drag. So the nice thing about one of the the updates uh, to it was they actually severely lowered uh, the enemy HP, so they're like probably closer to like half of what they were, maybe sixty percent, but. It's it, going through those stages where it was a lot easier. You're cutting down times by like 40 to 50 percent uh, going through them because of that. And also, I kind of went, I'm starting to go back to this game because they they finally uh, stabilized their DLC schedule for it because um, they're starting to release DLC like every month now up until February, and they're adding new stages. And... I, I assume the DLC has like some fan service stuff, like you can play oh, yeah. as this character from this show or version or whatever. Yeah, pretty much. It has like uh, uh, popular units that, uh, yeah. that like the, I, you've been watching Iron Blooded Orphans. Uh, they're a little bit, add, yeah. They're starting to add units from there. Can you play as Barbatos? Yes, the, the okay. like like the fourth form and sixth form of Barbatos, I think. So, mm -hmm. it, like actually, one of my robots uh, has uh, the the katana that Barbatos uses. As its main weapon, it's in it's in great. Uh, you but, get like the, the you get the pole arm thing, the sphere. <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's actually that's actually the my second robot. Like the it, it's kind of it's a it's weird. It's like classified as a lance class. So yeah. it's like the, the the big ass hunk of iron that it wields. You're just like uh 
jousting with it nonstop. <laughs> it's 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 real goofy. Uh, so the nice. I thing mean, that, about... that that seems to be that seems to be one of the big things with Muzo games is like, no matter what it is, whether it's this or Zelda or Dragon Quest or whatever, just like playing as a character from something from a show or game or whatever, and then just kind of mowing down all the enemies and kind of the most ridiculous but satisfying faction yeah the, fashion. The, it's like so. it's definitely one of the most like like an ultimate fan service game for gundam right. fans because you can basically make whatever the hell you want like they also expanded let's say like uh, in one of the updates you have these things called builder parts which are basically uh, additional armaments decorative or not like they can grant you new abilities or weapons on your suit and then you can scale them uh by high, how big you want them to but it's kind of crazy that they used to have a, a scalability of like to uh, either to negative 100 to 100. They they tripled that, so they now they can go to 300 or negative 300. And so one of my suits is literally has five floating swords, just at its like two at its side, one above it. They're all just gigantic swords scaled up to 300, and just and I can use them. They're just like they're just like floating swords. They're just that floating. You just... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. This it's, this discussion this this talk is just reminding me how much I want another armored core game really. I yeah. That's, <laughs> yes. And I mean, I played I, I I never even played Armored Core five, but I just hadn't heard good things. But I played Armored Core four, one of the versions oh, of it. And just you did not miss out much yeah, with Armored Core five as much as I, I was just, looking forward you know, to just it. Having, just well, just what he was talking about, you know, the, the ways you can customize your robots and just like man, giant robots are pretty cool sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're always cool. <laughs> But uh, going back to your Zada do next thing, like the, when you equip a part, sometimes they'll have special abilities and um, called EX acts. And what you can do is if you use an EX act enough, you can use that EX action for any uh, part that you have on it. So you're basically unlocking the just like the weapon masteries in Zana do next, uh, being able to use that, say like this uh, bazooka skill, I can use it now even if I have a machine gun equipped. Uh, so the, you have a, a, a lot of freedom on how you want to customize your moveset and also just it's been it's it's weird because when BlizzCon happened I think was it a week ago already or two weeks ago my time a week or two ago <laughs> I, just the last piece uh, it was just a week ago yeah, yeah. When, I, when I was thinking about it like Gundam Breaker 3 is kind of like my my fill-in for my Diablo itch because there's a, like I mentioned a few months back, there's a rarity system, but it does a lot of things uh, more intelligently, like from quality of life uh, perspective uh, compared to Diablo. Because when you do, when you're not hoping for like a like a specific legendary drop, for example, because you can uh, transfer rarity status over to a part. So let's say I have this rare arm, and I and I want, but I want to use this arm. It's only I only have an, an uncommon version of it. I can actually just uh, Fuse that. You can like transfer the rarity. Yeah, I can transfer the rarity of that arm that, that's uh, over to that uncommon arm. It'll become rare, and that and that opens up new ability slots. That's, 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 that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. Rather and, than hoping to get th that specific drop, like I didn't want a rare arm. I wanted the rare shield or whatever it was. Yeah, and and the nice thing about it is that you're not only you're you're not also only hoping for like uh, a drop a rarity drop, but also you're not also hoping for whether that drop has the abilities you want because you can transfer any ability to like any part so let's say i have this uh like this body that i want to have more hp on but this uh you just, you, as this, long as you find that like that bonus on any piece yep, you can transfer this, it, yep, to it yep yeah. so like this 
So the, let's say this legendary body that I got, it doesn't have like the life that I, the, the amount of HP that I wanted on it. I can always fuse more HP into that from other bodies that I have than just building on top of that. You know, so it's it's yep. it's just one of those things that like it, you can, you can. I spend hours. It literally just like, I, I pick up the game. I just open up the customized menu like for ability transferring, and like two to three hours will be gone easily. And I was like, oh fuck, I just got way into it again. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's for me. I love numbers going up and optimizing <laughs> the way I play. So just between Titanfall two and Gundam Breaker three, it's been it's been. One hell of a giant robot streak that I've been going through for the past few weeks. Awesome. And yeah, it seems like every one of us has got games that we need to play before the game of the year. It seems like we're more like confident about doing something like that, whereas in the past, it seems like when we got to game of the year discussions, you only had like maybe well, one or two people. Well, like unfortunately last year, like Final Fantasy Heaven's Ward, like a couple of people had played it. And they're really positive about it, but it was just. A oh, few. I'm pretty confident you picked right for last year. Bloodborne was, you know, that was an easy pick for a lot of people. I don't know. Even even with Heaven Sword, as good as it was, I they seemed to even the people who played it seemed like you know Heaven Sword was like eh, it was it was good. I, I think that it just maybe wasn't as good as, uh, you know, uh, Well Reborn was or or you know. Blood I, I just remember there's a little bit of just. Like, I had not played Bloodborne, so I was just kind of taking people's words for stuff. Oh, anyway. they'll be fine, yeah. But yeah, this year, it seems like it's going to be a lot better discussions, I feel. Especially because we've got more people and, on and, staff. And Simon, and Simon won't be here, so that's automatically going to get better. savage! <laughs> Jeez, like, why did you throw him under the bus all of a sudden, Adam? Jeez, yeah, I, okay. I, I like Simon, but he can get really animated. Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes you need <laughs> that. Well, let's let's move into news uh, before we continue that uh, train of thought. Um, so there is some news that we are happy to discuss now, um, <laughs> not as before, but it's uh, a couple days ago. Idea Factory held their annual press event in San Francisco. Unfortunately, we were not able to make it. Last year was convenient for us because it was the same weekend as PlayStation Experience. So all it was is like a, a short walk yeah, yeah. Uh, to a bar. And it was held at the same bar. Idea uh, Factory didn't have a whole lot to talk about. Um, some missing things that I thought was kind of surprising. Like we didn't hear about the net, uh, separate dimension Neptunia. I mean, obviously it's coming over. I didn't know if they were to like, announce it quickly uh to kind of give an idea because some of the games they announced were not out till summer so it's like you know why couldn't you just throw that in there and some other things i wish they had like did live but we did get some cool announcements uh nonetheless so let me just run through quickly those uh few games that we heard about first off it's uh dark roads valkyrie now this is the game that's got kosuke fujishima which is the character designer for tales some of the tales games uh, he's and, like the Tales series has like four designers that they return yeah. to, but he's one. He's probably the one that they've used most often. It's like Atlier when yeah. they've got like a dozen different artists that they yeah. use at this point. But uh, yeah, so they have the Tales scenario writer and the character designer uh, teamed up with Kampalahar to create this new game, this turn-based. Well, okay, it's, it's an action RPG for the PlayStation Four. It's got the same type of design that Neptunia Games has, as or like Omega Quintet or any of those games where it's like it's got. Uh, a lot of numbers popping off the screen, like very high numbers. But the design seems more realistic uh, in that it's... I shouldn't say more realistic. It's that the anatomy. It's like they're more... They look like Tails characters, so... 
Exactly. Um, but also, it's got something that Adam might appreciate. It takes. It, it seems like it borrows from Lost Dimension. It's that it's got this traitor system. Game. I know, right? He's yeah. like, the, like the best <laughs> view among Metacritic scores. So yeah, from, I was I covered this game a couple of times when it was releasing yeah. in Japan. In Japan, it was known as Black Road Zachary, so they tweaked yeah. the name slightly, and I guess it had to do with avoiding any weird lawsuit. I guess, or you know, uh, trademark oh. whatever. Black Rose apparently is. Dark Rose works better for them to use don't that. Don't Google Black Rose. We did don't, it already. We're not going to tell you what it, what it is, but don't, okay. don't bother. We're not going to fucking but, Google it. But like, yeah. So you you the main character is some dude. Uh, I forget his name. Called. I forget his name. You play as a guy, and then like your your party are basically four women um, that you're basically working with, and you're kind of part of like an army or or some unit, some soldier unit. However, one of them is a traitor, and it is not set it's like random for playthrough so uh you have to there's this they call, they call it a visual novel interrogation sequence where you uh i assume you somehow make choices to try to figure out which yeah. one is the traitor now this does remind me of lost dimension and in a nutshell that traitor system was so like trivial like it was there was no trick to it i mean it was just so easy to to, to work around it it was almost like why even make it a mini game when it's so like basic and easy so i'm wondering it's if obvious this... yeah it's i wouldn't be like, surprised it wasn't like it was obvious it was just so easy and basic to figure out who the traitor is like yeah. it's it was almost boring um like oh it must be this guy because you do this you do this you figure it out right away so uh, in a game like this if that's something they're going to be banking on hopefully there's some nuance or interest to it uh, obviously totally different developer totally different style of game so who knows but that's obviously the first thing that comes to mind yeah, I mean, uh, on the one hand, you've got uh, the scenario writer for Tales, so you like hope that it's better written. On the other hand, um, Lost Dimension banked on it as well, and so if that's the whole basis and it was so obvious, I don't have a whole lot of confidence, but I'm 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 hopeful, just like you, that they they do a good job with that. They also got the same type of like I, with the combat system; it's got customizable combos, uh, and also they've got like this overdrive system, which sounds just like Neptunia with the CPU system uh, or HDD form, where you can turn berserk and become way more powerful in battle. Um, and then you do this too often, I guess it leads to the fatigue is what it says. I imagine it just means that like, you can't do that for a while, or at least you may take a hit. Some uh, cooldown or something, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll try to, I'll try to find the, the name of the military agent. It's called ACID. What's ACID? The secret military agency in Dark, oh, Ro- okay. Dark Rose Valkyrie. Oh, okay. I thought you were going back to Titanfall for some reason. <laughs> I was like, wait, no. Yeah, yeah that acid. Ship sailed. Yeah, acid. Uh, yeah, and that's, you're, that's and you're you're fighting against. I'm reading the press release now. You're fighting against yeah. uh, the Chimera virus outbreak, where Chimeras uh, are are invading the world, and I guess they're what you're fighting against. And your your character's name, the main character is Asahi, I guess. Cool. I yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the game looks great uh, just from like the visual standpoint, from like you know the standards that you. It looks expect. like a, it, it looks like a Tales game with like a Neptunius battle system. So all, yeah, all exactly. I remember from it, from when I was like uh, looking at its uh, Japanese uh, release, was I remember that there were a lot of screenshots of uh, chicks with gigantic, oversized weapons that had even crazier transformations. Yeah, uh, and it seems like uh, <laughs> it. <laughs> It seemed like there was a, some really dark things going on, some pretty brutal uh, things happening. I, I remember the first like teaser trailer. 
I, I, I don't know if it was just playing up like the traitor element to it, but it's like introducing these girl characters and then like they like shows their silhouette like in this evil eerie like atmosphere like the original trailer. Uh, it turned out the game doesn't look that dark, but I remember when it was originally announced, it like seemed like it was trying to go like really, really moody at least. Yes, of course. Uh, so that's one of the announcements, um, and that won't be out till this spring, uh, which is surprisingly PS4. soon, actually. Yeah, for like, yeah, yeah, uh, for PlayStation Four exclusive. Uh, but you know, knowing knowing Idea Factory, we might see that on PC soon enough, know, just like with the rest of these games. We didn't see Omega well, Quintet yet. Yeah, it's it's it like. Oh, I, guess... I, I wonder why. <laughs> Depends. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know actually. The Neptunia games end up on PC, but I'm not sure. About I the imagine other. Omega Quintet didn't do that great. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and that's why they probably didn't bother. It kind of depends on what probably what they find is worth hey. the effort to do with the port. So yeah. Exactly. I liked Omega Quintet for what it was. Uh, the sure like the levels were the levels were huge, just not a lot of things in it. Uh, but other than that, I like the writing and you know people who like Neptunia. Was, that... was was Omega Quintet the game? I remember you like. There was some part where you thought like the difficulty spiked like enormously and you were like stuck for a while. And I, I might be thinking something else. It might have been um, that game. <laughs> I remember I... you complaining about some game. I think it was Omega Quintet where like you were complaining about how weirdly difficult it got at some point. Uh, it anyway. probably was at that point because, yeah, it, it might have been that type of game. But I mean, that game has been on flash sales for like five bucks. And so if you haven't owned it by now and you're the type of person who likes Compile Hearts games, I do recommend picking it up because um, it's so cheap now. But maybe wait for a sale just like the rest. Um, also, they also announced Mary Skelter Nightmares. Uh, this is a game that looked pretty cool uh, from all the stuff that we've seen from it. It's kind of... It's a first-person dungeon crawler RPG. It kind of reminds me of experiences, dungeon crawlers like Demon Gaze and, and whatnot. It's got that same type of look to it. Um, pretty cool style. It's kind of crazy that, is, if I'm not mistaken, it's the same art designer as, like, you know, the uh, other games, it, like like Trillion and whatnot. But the it characters looks like, look it looks like Neptunia though. to me. I don't know if it's that same artist. artist. It's not. It's, it's definitely not uh, the same artist. It's a different one. But... I kind of look it up now, um, but I think it's the person who's done the other games for them, like Trillion. But the characters are more, more anime, if that makes sense. Like they like more like we were talking <laughs> well, Trillion, about. Trillion, Trillion looks like like Disgaea to me. That's what uh, I mean. It's I think it might be doesn't. the same artist. This looks more like Neptunia, but <laughs> that's it. But yeah, it's it's not the same artist. I mean, it's I can tell you that for a fact. But um, yeah, it's it talks about here. Yeah, it's it's a PlayStation Vita game. Um, which you know, good news for PlayStation Vita fans. You've got another game to look forward to. Um, I'm I count myself among you as a huge fan of the Vita. So we've got that. Uh, it's got some different uh, things that you can expect though from people who've played dungeon crawlers. You know, you you know what to expect. You and it's got a class system, which a lot of those dungeon crawlers you, you tend to have, like especially if it's in the wizard wizardry style. But any dungeon crawler usually has a class system. So. Yeah, exactly. And just, jobs and things. So exactly. Yeah, it's got a class-based system for a dungeon crawler. It's no surprise. But just like Dark Rose Valkyrie, it's that it's got a transformation system um, where it'll bump up your stats. And actually, that's I probably confused that a little bit with um, Dark Rose in that I said Dark Rose, you went berserk. It actually happens in Mary Skelter. Your character goes berserk, but your stats grow. Um, it says here about a strategic blood-licking transform system, which is what that is. And, uh, and blood-rubbing system. Blood I rubbing wonder system what the blood party. Yeah. You know exactly what the blood-rubbing system is. If it's anything like Monster Mon piece, expect a lot of rubbing on your screen. Uh, that's just how these games are. So you're reviewing this game, right? 
Uh, probably. Uh, that's <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm not I'm I, that game looks cool. I don't know for uh, um, my opinion, that game does look pretty cool. But yeah, there are different classes, different classes to unlock for your characters and unlocking new skills, stats, and character portraits. Uh, I like the design, and so I'm looking forward to playing some more of that. But yeah, it just says summer 2017. I do, I do like that they uh, like the fairy tale theme they have going on with their characters because each of the characters are from um, nurseries: uh, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Thumbelina, uh, Cinderella, um, like Little Red Riding Hood. I I totally forgot about that, but now that you mention it, I think I that sounds familiar from yeah. this game. This game released in Japan like last month. Yeah. So. Um, and I, I, voice cast actually looks pretty good. I really like the Japanese voice cast. Uh, and mention all these games except the next one we'll talk about our dual audio which idea factory usually puts in so oh might be I, cool. absolutely that's sorry i'm just i'm kind of looking at that yeah I, i'm probably way off base i think that uh the character artist is not who i was thinking of it's i think it might just be okay the first one of the early results i get is like what does it say Dake Nanami creates lustful Mary Skelter illustration. So yeah, that's that's fine. I'm thinking of the wrong person. So yeah, sorry about that, uh, people. Fact checking. So yeah, but anyway, moving on. Uh, yes, Mary Skelter, like I said, out 2017 summer. Uh, the next game is something that a lot of people are pretty excited about. It's Hakuoki Kyoto Wins, which is an Atome game for the PlayStation Vita. Out this all in love as these twelve bachelors battle for your heart in this historical fantasy romance. Wow, yes. Tell us more, Adam. Has Andrea yes. played this? Has Andrea played this game already? Absolutely, she's definitely played it. <laughs> Actually, it was funny that I mentioned that this game's coming out. She's like, "No, I only play them when they're still in Japan." I'm like, "What does that mean?" But yeah, that's <laughs> that's so. What this is, I just, is I just section... see her. I just see her talking about importing Onome games all the time. So like, I'm sure she's probably played this one. Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird departure in that like Axis is uh, not localizing this game when they announced that they'll localize in another Ultimate game at uh, Anime Expo in in spot and uh, in, in place of Idea Factory for their own label. So uh, yes, Idea Factory is localized in this game. So what happened is that this is actually a uh, remaster. Uh, they call it a remake, but also a, a remaster of this game that came out on the PlayStation 3 in 2008. It came out on more than just the PlayStation 3. So what they did is that they took that game that came out back then, split it in half. One of those games is what we're getting, the first part. The second part, I think it might already be out in Japan, but they didn't announce that one is coming out. So they added three new character scenarios. Um, that's kind of the the biggest content there. They So new character uh, scenarios... Uh, people that you can finally, you know, experience their story. Um, and that in turn adds new endings. I think someone on Twitter was telling us exactly what other content was being added, what, what was added to that release. But yeah, all these Hakuoki games, like I know that they're visual novels slash Otome games, but they, they do kind of just blend together for me, like with releases and sequels. <laughs> you say that for any games stories. you don't understand. It all blends well, I mean, together. Gundam especially, games especially the blend ones, together for me. Especially the ones Gundam like Breaker. this where they blend they together for me. Look, man, you can't, you can't blame him. Hey, I, I, I'm not very familiar with this guy, uh, but those things seem pretty. They all blend together for me. <laughs> no, they all blend together for me. Uh, no, it, it, all you have to uh, know is that, like I mentioned, it's that it's 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 a remaster of an old game. That's all you really have to know. It's it's they're releasing this and the first they split it in two parts. I imagine because there's a ton of content. I mean, if there's one thing I know about the Hakuoki games is that they're very long, like super long games. And in this case, like it mentions in the press release, 
It has 80 hours of romance. Uh, 80 I don't, hours of romance. Of romance with over 30 different endings. So, yeah, it, it's 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 got a cool look to it. Um, but it's an Atome game, so people who don't know what that term means, it just means that you are playing a girl and you are surrounded by dudes. Uh, reverse so it's, harem, yeah. Obviously, yeah, reverse harem is, is kind of how you approach it. But from what I heard... Um, those games tend to have some really good writing in them. Um, and that's probably why when we tweeted about it, it blew up on Twitter because people were super excited. Can't blame them. I, I remember, uh, I think it was Amnesia from also from Idea Factory. Yes. Uh, I remember Liz was playing this and like the, 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 the route that seemed to be the most like infamous was the guy who likes to lock you in a cage or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned that. I told them before, I was like, that's the only thing I remember. I mean, there was an anime for Amnesia as well. And that's what I was also familiar with. But yeah, Hakuroki. And I think Hakuroki's got like a movie, if I'm not uh, like a movie, maybe an anime. Too, yeah. I know there's an anime. There's I probably was, a lot. I was really confused for a second. You guys mentioned Amnesia because we were talking about the actual Amnesia horror games earlier. Oh, yeah. So I was like, what no, the Amnesia, fuck is going uh, on? <laughs> Amnesia Collection comes out in December, yeah. and that's the horror games. Amnesia, Dark Descent, and A Machine for Pigs. So, but yeah, that's that's coming out. Um, more Tome games. I think that's great uh, that there's more interest uh, in the West for that, uh, or at least they're they're showing that that that's the case. And we're going to see more and more games. You've, like I said, you've got Axis announcing their games. Now we've got Idea Factory also um, confirmed now, to be. Hakuoki is an Idea Factory game, right? Yes, it's 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 Ultimate, um, which is their label, Ultimate oh, right. label. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's their games. It's just so that it kind of makes sense that they're doing it, not Axis. It's kind of like uh... Axis localized the other Hakuoki games. That's what yeah. I was talking. About before it's not it doesn't make sense on how this is happening but this is what's happening <laughs> well, uh, well idea factory international is relatively new so they've been out for about four five, or five, years. five years four or five years something like that and yeah. there's been hakuoka games that's that's been released since then let's, yeah. not, let's not confuse by like idea factory international the branch here because there's actually an idea factory uh, international well, thing in japan as well like the idea factory like, international in japan is like more of like a branding label like yeah. for their games and then, like, it's a, it's, a, it's a company. It's their localization company, basically, in, in the United States. So, yeah, but weird. it is weird. I just I just found it weird that, like, they, what was it? Was it Bad Apple Wars, I think, is the one that uh, compiled, that's the ultimate game that we're getting? It could be all of them, like, that period cube as well that might be an ultimate game as well. But I just know that Axis and Idea Factory International have clearly got this relationship uh, that they're doing the work for each other's games. And uh, of course, consumers benefit. Kind of an but, aside, I, I do find it's kind of interesting how like these niche publishers do cooperate in ways. Like, I know the 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 relationship between Atlas USA and Nisa kind of broke down, but I know like for example, these Idea Factor games. I know Atlas provides like the uh, like the distribution for like to retail and things like that. So I just find that I just think that's kind of interesting how these niche publishers do cooperate in ways like that. It's it's like a big network. I know for like a for fact, example, though, these games will show up on like on Atlas's sales website. So these ideas. That's what you games. mean, yeah. That's what you talk about as far as distribution. But also, I just know that also distribution to retailers and things. So yeah. So um, also, it's I just know that for a fact that um, one of my friends uh, who works also in, in games journalism happened to bring those people together and had and had them go out for like dinner and lunches and stuff like that and that's how they got to know each other and i wonder if he helped broker some of those things just because <laughs> they've got like this i mean like like you mentioned it's that there are josh mentioned like they have their own separate things like idea factory international versus idea factory in japan but 
um, you know, that's I, I just I think that it's great that we're seeing more and more of these very super niche games. And finally, speaking of which, uh, Fairy Fencer F Advent Dark Force will be released on PC. Uh, specifically, it says Steam, but you know it'll probably go out elsewhere. It's coming to uh, North America, Europe, and Japan early 2017 in glorious 1080p is what it says. Uh, Japanese and English dual audio, uh, and there'll be an exclusive deluxe pack. Uh, and from Neptunia, what that's been in the past is things like you know well, music, uh, themes, and it's uh, also it's also cards. got like Japanese text. So like, yeah, if you're if you're a Japanese speaker and you want to play it fully in Japanese, or if you're even just uh, an English person wanting to you know play something in Japanese, you can do that. Yeah, learning that they've done that so far with Rebirth One and Two on yeah. Steam. It's both got those deluxe packs. Two just came out recently. One's been for a few months now. Uh, and obviously the third will get that eventually. But yeah, that'd be cool just for learning Japanese, even like you know what they say, or at least you, you speak in English and you can hear it. Uh, but the problem with that is that the localization can be so different. So it's it's just one way to enjoy that. But that's that's going to be out. Uh, we already have a review up for Fairy Fence Advent Dark Force on the site. You can go read that. Bottom line for that review is that the original Fairy Fence F had a bad story, but Advent Dark Forest added a whole new um, scenario that really, really improved it. And, and also, it... isn't the battle system pretty different too? Like more, you can, more characters, like not not just more characters you can choose from, but actually like party more characters members. in battle. <laughs> yeah, one more party member in battle that makes a big difference. Although they kind of scale the difficulty as well, but it just seems yeah. it, it's something that I enjoyed quite a bit. After from that. what I understand, there's really no reason to play the original, especially now that they're no this is on PC. <laughs> Because the original's on PC, so <laughs> absolutely do not play the original. Play this one. That's what I would say. I think I think it might actually be a Steam exclusive for this one. So I was trying to find Fairy Fencer F on GOG right now. It's not up there, so I don't know if it's any other. Well, I think I think Idea Factory they released the first Neptunia game on GOG, and then I think they just gave up. Like, eh, we'll just stick to Steam. So <laughs> that could be it. I mean, the uh, yeah the. It's probably gonna, it, you're probably right, Josh. That's probably going to be a Steam exclusive, just because they, they that's what that's they announced it. Um, I guess it'll just depend, but you know that's probably the only agreement that they have. So that's it uh, for Idea Factory's annual press event. Not a whole lot of news coming out of that. They'll, they'll, but... My assumption, my assumption is later in the year they'll probably announce the new Neptunia game separately. Yeah, separate dimension. It, it, that's kind of what we because all all these games are out in Japan, um, so. It's just the Neptunia Prove it. Little, Prove it. They're out in Japan out. now. You go to Japan. You, t you find out, and you come back in time. I was uh, not really too surprised, but I was uh, I was kind of um, I guess I don't know. Surprise isn't the right word, but the Compile Heart uh, released a Vita game a few months ago in Japan called like Genkai Toki something Pirates or something. Oh, I so I played that game. Okay, all right. Uh, I did. Uh, I, I actually ended up playing a version of that game on my Vita and. Wow, uh, it is over the top sexualized. I'll tell you that yeah, much. So, it's so, like yeah, all do, up in your face. Do, do you think it's one of those titles that, like, remember that statement from Compile Heart a few months ago that says we won't localize any game that you have to censor? Do you think it falls in line to that? Maybe. I will. I will say though, it's that it's got like the rubbing mechanic. Totally, it's definitely got the rubbing mechanic in that game, and it's it's very like. As someone who doesn't mind that stuff, uh, I guess speaking as a dude, but it's it's I'm not I'm not going to sit here and like be a, uh, sit on like a platform and and talk about my piece about that kind of stuff. But it's more that it's what you're saying here. It's that it's it's super hypersexualized content in that well, game. It kind of like the things like that. It's like I think sometimes. First of all, let me just say like I personally don't really care for it, but I don't mind that it exists type of thing. Yeah, yeah. 
But um, like I know Atlas released Dungeon Travelers two, which is like uh, had some sexual elements. Uh, like that. It's got and some, but it's not really that type the, of game. The, the thing about that is they it was rated M, but there was like like a couple of ones they had to tweak slightly. Yeah. And I wonder if like that wasn't just their decision, or was it like to actually have it rated M and not something worse than that? Like, I, I, like I how much? I, I'm not sure how much blame you can put on the ESRB or things like that. But yeah, the the the, the statement we're talking about is that. Idea Factory mentioned basically they won't localize a game if they have to censor it. So it's like that would be a decision from like the ESRB if it couldn't get an M rating. As it is, they're not even gonna they're not gonna release it. So, yeah, it's not the type of thing where it's like censor slash cut. Uh, the, I don't know what the kind of what the, where they're gonna draw the line there. It's like censor as in like cover it up or censor as in cut the content from the game itself. I imagine it goes both ways with that. But uh, for that Genkai game, um, from what I played, which was a grand total, maybe like 30 minutes of it, uh, I could probably play some more. But it is, yeah, it's it's oh. like she does a victory pose and her boobs shake for like 10 minutes. It feels like that's the kind of. Well, I should also, I, I guess, I should also mention that the platform holder has some say in this too. Like I know there's been some games where they yeah. have to be censored on a PlayStation platform. But when, if it's ported to Steam, they can uncensor it. So I have that argument every yeah. single week on Twitter with people that think that why don't you just release like the uncensored version on PlayStation? It's like nah, they nah, son, they not they I, ain't doing that. I Steam, mean, Steam I think I think some people place their ire too much on the on the publisher. It's like hey, you have to look at ESRB and you have to look at well, first of all, other ratings boards and you have to look at platform holder like sony as well it's not just the decision of the publisher by themselves so it actually sometimes can be in japan it can be but uh, they're very protective of their content like for example there's this new visual novel that's going to be relaunching on steam soon um that i was following the uh the preview campaign for that and seeing the comments where it's like you know if you don't remove the mosaic um from this from this adult game i am not going to back it and i was just thinking for a moment you know japanese companies as well are also kind of protective uh, uh, in a sense that they're going to put the mosaic in by default like that's how it originally comes if you remove the mosaic it ends up being like a very josh probably knows what i'm talking about like it's because you've seen a lot of like mosaic stuff now uh I, I meant as far as like you you've heard you've, you've heard about that kind of stuff where it's like you remove the mosaic then it's just a bunch of like cartoonish flat really disgust like bad looking uh drawn stuff that's underneath that mosaic because it's not because there's you know, fans that go out and edit these games to remove any sort of mosaic from like uh, adult visual novels and whatnot, it just ends up coming back looking really bad and poor because it's not meant to be seen. You mean, you mean literally unprofessional edits? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's like, it's like there's our weird policies all over it, and that's why it's, uh, fans have to step in because I, I do know people who huh? work in that industry, both in Japan and both here, who sure. uh, have to deal with that stuff. So there's just a, a lot of like weird stipulations, and it's a case by case basis. There's no blanket like contract that like covers it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I think my 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 bigger point is, and sorry to cut you off. It's my bigger point being it's that it's not always that you know the people in the West are completely changing the author's original vision or something like that. Sometimes it can just be that that's the way they originally intended it to be to have this mosaic because there's like this uh stretch goal or something like that or maybe it's just a, a a thing they can do they're releasing the 18 plus version separately but it will have a mosaic and when they saw that line they're like <gasps> and i i just imagine people are quick to rush to conclusions about that and i think it's valid in some cases where people can be upset about that because they just want the full experience uh, that people in japan got and i'm not blaming um that thing i'm not going to sit here and, and pretend like you know it's how dare you want to see these people like this um completely naked it's like whatever you do in your own home, 
have fun, whatever. It doesn't bother me one bit because it's it's not something I care for. Um, I just I think that a lot of it has to do with what Japanese companies themselves have to have to deal with. Um, the one thing I will say that really upset me it was when I got near close to the end where someone mentioned like I'm not going to back this. I'll just go play the free version. I'm like fuck you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's pretty like, fucked up. <laughs> I hate that shit when people are saying like, well, why should I back this when I can already play the fan translation? And it's like oh, fuck off. You know that's uh, that shit I can never stand for. But that's 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 it for Idea Factory's news, though. Um, like I mentioned, Dark Rose Valkyrie, Mary Skelter, Nightmares, Fairy Fence, F, Dark, Evan Dark Force on PC and, or Steam, Hakuoki, Kyoto Winds, uh, also coming out. The, so 2017, still early in spring stuff being announced there. It's it's just overloaded with content. Um, but uh, hopefully we'll hear some more stuff, like you said, Adam, about like Cyber Dimension, Neptune. Uh, there's been some recent updates on that stuff. It looks great. It looks pretty damn amazing. Every new screenshot that comes out, they announced that royal edition. Royal edition. I can't pronounce my R, so sorry about that. But uh, with the, a big new box, and it's got all the characters on there too. It's it. I saw Nepgear, uh, her class, which is like a, a magician, and it looks great. I she's love like, her. Yeah, she's like a that. witch. It's it's awesome. They also had uh, they also had uh, Uni being like a like a gun thief. Um, yes. Rom being um, a samurai and Ram being um, oh shit, what was it? Um, a ninja. ninja yeah. yeah. So uh, the, the character designs are, are fantastic in it so far. Uh, yeah, it, it's the biggest change yet for that series, and it's on the Unreal Engine four. So you know, hopeful for like a very smooth mm-hmm. experience with that. Yeah. It's not like Unreal Engine three where your expectations were super low. With four, it seems like they've really done a lot of work on that. Um, so that's great. Um, it's, uh, February or March in Japan, I think. I, th- I think it's March 30th. Well, I think it's before that, like March 21st or something like that. Uh, let's look this up real quick because we have nothing else to do. Uh, I, I zoned out. What are we talking about? Release date. Release date? Oh, no, I, th- I, th- I thought it was 9th. February. Yeah, it's I February 9th. Yeah, so what the hell? February, why not? When it's like smack dab in the middle of everything coming out uh so that that's it for idea factory but in other news uh final fantasy 15 they released a new demo called the another demo yes the judgment disc demo the difference here is that it's exclusive for japan uh which is kind of bizarre but this demo uh will let players play from the beginning of the game uh the first chapter uh, until the middle middle of the episode so the total time, uh, play time is about an hour to an hour and a half from the people that I've talked to and are currently playing that. It's very easy to set up a Japanese PlayStation Network account, by the way. There's guides all over the place. And I say by default you should. Uh, anyone who's listening to this should just make a separate PlayStation Network account for Japan just because they also release a lot of free digital themes um static and dynamic that are really awesome like i've got this cool sakura uh tokyo xanadu theme that came out that's got like this beautiful backing vocal track that i i've had on my account to this day and that type of stuff you'll never of course find in america but it's free to download and there's like demos and things like that that's kind of cool to check out but I anyway a, I, I created a jpsn account like a long time ago because when i played tales of vesperia on ps3 yeah, I, I I probably need to create a new one now. I don't remember what my login stuff was at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, just to continue about that demo too, by the way. But yeah, like like you said, it's it's worth just having, and it's you just do it once, and it's always there. Um, and there's times you can get like a free PlayStation Plus subscription and check things out. Like there's also this free thing with like a Hatsune Miko concert that was free for just on the network for free members. Um, 
but yeah, so the, for the demo itself, it says here, and this is something that we also shared on our Twitter, there's this bonus footage that previews the main story um, uh, for people who beat that. So, of course, people who beat the demo ripped that trailer from the demo, uh, shared it online. Uh, so if you want to have spoils, spoilers, check that out. It does say here, and this is what's going to be obvious anyway, save data from the demo cannot be carried over to the full game. Uh, the demo will also be playable in some stores for users who don't own a PlayStation 4 or Xbox One. Uh, of course, I wonder part- if they made. I wonder if they had this demo made for Japan, because maybe, maybe Japanese pre-orders, maybe Japanese enthusiasm for this game wasn't as high as they wanted, so they're like... Like maybe I don't I don't want to say last ditch effort, but maybe just like another thing they want. No, they to planned this. They announced this a while ago. Yeah, that that was going to come. A while ago? I, yeah, it was I like don't... a couple months. Ago. Really? They did. I remember they said like we'll have a new uh, some stuff for J- Japan before the end of it before the game's release. I remember that. Okay. Uh, I, I thought it was just I thought it was just annou- I know it, it was announced at like a recent active time report like a That's week ago. That's what I mean. But no, I it was. Know, it I don't was... know if it was anything earlier than that that they teased something. They totally they just, did, yeah. I'm just I, kind of musing why it's Japanese only, and may, I, I was thinking maybe it was just kind of like an effort to, to 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 drum up what might be weaker than what than expected Japanese enthusiasm for the game, and I don't know because it is. I think it's pretty clear with Final. I Fantasy mean, 15. That's, that's. I think it's pretty clear pretty with Final clear. Fantasy 15. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear with Final Fantasy 15 that they're that they are really. I don't want to say making it for Western consumers, but they. Or making it for Western consumers, like with that in mind. <laughs> that, <that's> so, <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about consumer response to that game, it's that, yeah, that's. I mean, it's pretty clear that that's the case. They won't come out and say it, but that's that's what everyone does, you know. But um, I will also mention. So yeah, that demo's out now in Japan. It came out on uh, just yesterday, in fact. So check that out. It's on both PlayStation Store and Xbox Game Store. Uh, so whatever console you own, you can check that out. Uh, Square Enix also shared new details about the PlayStation 4 Pro patch uh, that will be uh, released uh, day and date on November 29th with the with the release of the game. They're adding, of course, 4K and HDR support. But they did mention that they wanted to uh, create a more optimized experience at a later date. Uh, they also want to release another PlayStation 4 Pro update in December. They said they're will... aiming for 60 frames per second. At I was about to say it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's 1080. Yeah, he wants to see it before I do. But yeah, adding. <laughs> I'm just trying to add some variety to your to your talk. <laughs> You're talking too what? much. Adam, <laughs> Adam wants your scoops. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I'll say it before you do. Uh, but yeah, it, it's they're adding support for 1080p at 60 frames on HD TVs, not 4K, but HD TVs. Um, so right now, it's it's still they're still working on optimizing that. It's currently, as it says here on Gamatsu, so thank you Gamatsu, that it's between 40 and 50 frames per second as it currently is. So December maybe slipping into January. Right now, um, it's 1080p at 30 uh, is what I'm expecting. Um, I've heard a lot of people like actually considering getting a pro because they of that promise of sixty on FF15. I'm pretty. pretty I, I I know I know Aaron basically like my PS Pro is my Final Fantasy 15 machine. Like, That's getting it for she, that game. <laughs> considering she owns a Final Fantasy 13 themed PlayStation 3, uh, she is not uh, against buying random tech gadgets. And I think her husband's also part uh, huge into that stuff as well. But yeah, that's. Um, 
that's what we can expect. I, I was kind of like bothered by how people were upset that the PlayStation 4 Pro was getting that. And, like somehow the PlayStation 4 users are getting like treated like shit because of it. Like, no, <laughs> that the is Pro weird. Is more, yeah, the Pro is more powerful. And that's what you've got to respect uh, that that's going to happen. Um, we'll get a good enough game. That's that's I'm not uh, as, as long as it's smooth. That's all I care about. And from the recent demo and stuff like that. People are playing these demos on a regular PlayStation 4, like the Judgment Disc demo. People are playing on a normal PlayStation 4 and having a decent, ex- a good enough experience. I will mention, before we did this podcast, I was looking on Twitter, um, and uh, Maku, I don't know his real name, but Maku, Red Makuzawa, who's uh, writes for Nova Cristalis, he mentioned Used this on to. Twitter. I think, I think he quit. Maybe he quit, but apparently someone found a way to hack and uh, get break into the game and get into the episode disguise disguy content like what <laughs> i thought that was supposed really to be a separate thing but apparently they ep- they ended up getting into the episode disguise content um somehow so i guess that is in the game uh they lied but that 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 is happening my my my, my thought is that this final fantasy 15 code or data is like all this like frankenstein like the engine it's on was what? What's the engine even called luminous. anymore? Lumin- it's like luminous, but it's like the remnants of luminous. And then they had yeah, like, uh-huh. I don't know, like it's just been reworked. Look, and, you can write like, a novel about this game's uh, development. And then then did Avalanche come in to help out with some of the open world stuff? Yes. And like, yeah. I just kind of assume it's like just this Frankenstein like agglomeration of coding and all that. And then like, you don't want to look at the, the program code for this. Like, game. hopefully it on the hopefully the surface sick. that. The surface experience that users get hopefully is fine, but uh, maybe a lot of the stuff on, underneath it is just kind of a mess tangle web. I don't know. We'll find out in a few weeks. <laughs> we will find yeah, out in a few weeks. It kind of reminds me, I forget what the game was that was played at Summer Games Done Quick, but there was like a PlayStation 1 game that you can actually hack the demo and it unlocked the full game. <laughs> and so someone actually speedrun the whole game using just a demo. Nice. So that's, I, I, I forget if it was like, um, Gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the RPG, but it was an RPG. And so I wonder if that's just what was hitting behind the demo. It's like you can play the full game. They just kind of try to use these blocks or something like that. Or they just tacked it onto Episode Disguy, um, the content for this demo. So, uh, but wait, no, that it's actually the first episode of the game. So, wow, <laughs> it's so weird. But yeah, just know that, yeah, it's, it's kind of insane to think that we're only, it's... Um, Less than three two, weeks away. Two weeks from Tuesday, yeah. uh, Final Fantasy 15 will finally be released. Uh, I will mention though that the, even if that's the case, Shinji Hashimoto, uh, you know, series brand manager for Final Fantasy, came out and talked a bunch about a bunch of stuff, a bunch of topics at the recent uh, Luca Comics and Games Expo in Italy, which is like you know after Comic Con, it's like the biggest comic book uh, convention in the world. Uh, so. The I'll just run down the stuff that they talked about. So Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age, no release date has been set, but they want to release it as fast as possible to meet the 10th anniversary. Um, that recently got an ESRB rating, so we might be seeing that in the next uh, few months, like an early spring release. Uh, they also He also said Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8, uh, with regards to that, there won't be a Kingdom Hearts HD 2.9. Oh, no. I'm glad he had to clarify that for people <laughs> who were wondering. Uh, but but uh, that doesn't leave out a chance for a 2.99, though. Yeah, and, and I, he also mentioned that uh, he didn't want to talk about like the length of uh, Kingdom Hearts 0.2 Birth by Sleep, a fragmentary passage. Uh, but you know, it's not something that you'll be able to finish quickly, is all that he would say. 
uh, Final Sounds Fantasy like Seven Challenge. Yeah, exactly. It's it's for <laughs> the people who probably play the game in their offices probably can beat that really quick. Beat it in half an hour, easy. Yeah, that's it. So, uh, Final Fantasy Seven remake. Um, we're working our hardest. Our that's what they he said. We're working our hardest on the game right now. Please wait a little bit longer. There was a rumor on the internet that the game will launch in 2017, but we haven't announced anything. It's not coming out in 2017, guys. Well, yeah, and it's supposed to be episodes, right? So <laughs> yeah. That it's just not coming out then. It's too soon for that game. They've got way more stuff that they could be talking about. Um, Final Fantasy X and X2 HD. Rem- this is the stuff that I think people, Adam and Josh, are probably waiting for this. Um, X and X2 HD remastered sold very well. Everyone has come to uh, expect a Final Fantasy X 3 uh, from the plot of the audio drama included with Please. the collection as a oh bonus, which was a, a shitty audio drama, from what I heard. Holy is, shit! Like, you, the should, you, you should you should read a summary uh, of that. I, I, someone spoiled it for me. It is really man. funny. Holy shit! Uh, as someone who couldn't care less about Final Fantasy X, I do not want to listen to that uh, drama. Like I, I uh, it's one of those things that like it's so sort of that I would love to see it in motion because it is so. It, it literally feels like like. Like a joke fan fiction, but it's apparently it's, I heard it was not. like it was it, she, it, it was it was apparently it was violent. That's what I know. Uh, uh, so uh, it's it's a wall. I like how you put it this way. It's like it's a wall we cannot currently cross. As Katase and Nomura are attending to Final Fantasy VII remake and a little game called Kingdom Hearts Three uh, right now. Apparently there was supposed to be news in December about Kingdom Hearts Three, but. Who knows what they're going to announce it. Maybe a PlayStation experience, but we don't know. Um, they're currently working on titles that we already have announced. Since Titus and Yuna are immensely popular, we want to cherish the drama. Don't make a 10-3. I will... Um, I, just by reading that, I kind of threw up in my mouth a little. Oh my god. I would... Uh, I don't know. Let's see here. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I... I don't know how I feel about that. I just want to laugh. Fuck off. No 10-3. All right. And so since Lightning is immensely popular, because we're talking about Final Fantasy 13 now, since Lightning is immensely popular even now, we have to sure. think about we can bring her up in the future. That's... Don't bring her back up, guys. Leave her in the Maybe in a, that Dissidia mobile game that you guys got or whatever. It's She's already in that arcade version. Mabel should be in the in the mobile version. Um, And so, and also on the news about Final Fantasy 16, it may be true that Final Fantasy 15 has a modern aesthetic, but since we reassess the numbered releases of the Final Fantasy series from scratch, we don't know if that will be the case for the next game. Sometimes the direction is changed on purpose based on the director, like when we went from Final Fantasy 8 to 9. Since it's based on the director's way of thinking, it doesn't necessarily mean it'll be an action, it'll always be an action RPG. So it could mean that we'll go back to the turn-based design of, uh, you know, 11 uh, of, of 10 and 9 and so forth it might be going back to those things so yeah that should be exciting to, I, to find out okay, what 16 yeah. i mean it's it's been so long since it's been like since we've seen like a new final fantasy i mean since like final fantasy 15 has been what a final fantasy i don't know that's, that's the one thing like, i mean, I mean we, we, we get so many we get so many fan service games and then like 15 has basically been I don't want to say a known quantity, but like these characters we were aware of for a, almost a decade now. And then like, other than like 13 sequels and of course, Final Fantasy 14 keeps getting additions to it. Like it's just been such a long time since we've seen like a new Final Fantasy game, like new characters, a new location and all that. 14 is the closest thing. All right. How about so, this yeah. FF16 bump system? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. It may not be an action RPG, it'll be just straight up E style. Yeah, top down, bump yes. style. <laughs> With there the soundtrack go. that whole thing is. Final Fantasy is, good, but... is saved. Yes. Nintendo Switch exclusive. The Falcom Radio Band, they'll be the ones to do the soundtrack <laughs> as well. Uh, <laughs> wow. 
finally. <laughs> Fucking great. Yes, I will. Yeah. I will actually be totally up for that. But I just want to. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this. But what do you guys want in a sixteen? I mean, besides a pump oh, system, because for one thing, um, I think making more a more fantastical like Final Fantasy after thirteen. Yeah. Fantasy themed. Yeah. Like after thirteen and fifteen are both like modern, like or modern like seven. You know, like cyber. Seven. Yeah, yeah. More like. I mean, I don't want to say like nine, but like, you know, something maybe a little bit more mythical and fantasy rather than modern. And like, like 12 was kind there's of a, yeah. there's a fantasy yeah, like 12, based on like fantasy. 12. I want yeah. Ibelise. Let's put Ibelise back in Final Fantasy 16. Let's take, um, well, Sakaguchi, of course, is supposed to announce a new game. He was supposed to announce it sometime this year. Maybe I'll announce it at PlayStation Experience, but who knows if Sakaguchi will come back. He did say like as soon as like what? a year or two ago where it's like he wanted to make a new chrono trigger but upper management stopped him from doing that sakaguchi could maybe help who knows uh he's he's still got good relations with square enix he just left because he wanted to do his own thing um maybe take matsuno he'll come back he'll he'll come back (laughs) you know it's he's still maybe maybe Uh they'll have like who do you want the director to be how about that who do you want the director of 16 to be uh not Nomura or Katase or uh, how about well no. <laughs> I don't know who I want well, to I want to direct it honestly. Well if if well okay get, get, so get a Western studio to do it there. <laughs> Idos Montreal. <laughs> Just, yeah, uh, I, I, you, you really want to surprise me at FF16? Have Idos Montreal develop it. Bring back that Final Fantasy 12 thing. What was it? Fortress? Bring back Fortress. Yeah, Fortress. <laughs> we'll bring Grin back, yeah, from the dead. And have make up, work on Fortress. Or, or maybe go the Resident Evil route and have it be a first-person RPG. First-person, yeah. Oh, man. That would... Okay, that's Skyrim, pretty much. That's Elder Scrolls, pretty much. So I guess, uh, or third person. But I mean, yeah, but yeah, but just talking about like how the Resident Evil stuff made this perspective shift recently. Dirge of Service too. I mean, to be Ooh. fair, a lot of Fifteen apparently has Western developers working on it as well. But yeah, I would. I mean, I would totally be down for like Final Fantasy Sixteen, Set in Ibelise, uh, Matsuno's the writer and the director. How about? Yoshi P from Final Fantasy 14. You know, okay. uh, so he's is- if he's uh, he's got the writing staff of Chrono Trigger. They worked on 11. They were moved to 14. So he's got the staff. Have the people who made 14 make 16. I think Aaron would be super excited for that because she can't stop saying, "People don't like Final Fantasy should play this game." She says that all the damn time. Uh, like people are upset about 15. Your, your, play- your Aaron impression is. Yes, that's exactly how she, uh, she t- talks about it. She's got a really, yeah. <laughs> You know, to be fair, Aaron doesn't talk a lot, but when she does, it's a very low bass, you know. Um, but that's... <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like you, you yes. get, you, it surprises you when you hear her open her mouth. Um, uh, from, what? Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> when she talks. What you, uh, but yeah, Final Fantasy 16, so all that news is coming out. Um, so that's that's it for Final Fantasy 15. Like I said, two weeks until the release of Final Fantasy 15. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff planned for that. Alex is already playing that game, in fact, so we should expect some news on that soon enough. Um, yeah, uh, and we actually, yeah, uh, in people who liked our content for World of Final Fantasy and for Persona 5 and stuff like that, and the guides that we made for Fa- World of Final Fantasy, we're working on something like that for Final Fantasy 15, some uh, in-depth guides and content that we hope to have up around the release that you guys can really take advantage of. Um, we want to do more of that going forward, and so if that's something you guys are enjoying, please make sure to comment in those guides uh, and let us know what you're what you're thinking about that and what you would like to see, other guides you'd like to see uh, for upcoming RPGs or even games that have already come out. Um, we tend to have a lot of fun with those, so just let us know. 
other pieces of news that we've got before we wrap things up here for this podcast. Uh, Atlas will be hosting their first English uh, gameplay footage live stream of Persona 5 on November uh, 16th, which is this Wednesday. So I recommend cu- closing out the Twitch chat. The Twitch yeah, chat. Uh, a lot of big first of all, audio. First of all, right? spoil- <laughs> people probably posting spoilers. Yeah, we're going to get spoiled to and, fuck. And also, yeah, probably people complaining about the voice acting, you know, the unfortunate, like, no dual no, audio no, in this case. They're, they're, they're going to they're they're complain about the font. That's yeah, the font. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just going to be just get Like, obviously, it's, you, I'm not saying you're not allowed to criticize them. It's just like, it's no, the, totally. The, I mean, you're fair to be a mess. <laughs> so there's a, a way of like doing it civilly. I, I, yeah. We've already talked about it before. It can't be said enough. High, getting licenses for these voice actors is super expensive. I will kind of go against Alice in a sense that they are living in an old age where they first release the game in Japan and then work on the voice actor contracts when it gets localized instead of it doing it from the very beginning like Koei Tecmo does, like Idea Factory does, I think Nice America does this as well that's how they get those dual audio uh uh, setups when they release their games. Atlas still does it the old way, so hopefully they'll fix that in the future. And they. Yeah, I, have- I, the only thing I want to say is that this is a Atlas as a whole issue, not just Atlas USA. Yeah, it, that's it, what I mean. Yeah, it, it requires a communication thing. between the of West course, and the Japanese fan. <laughs> I, 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 th- I think some people have like the the incorrect notion that's like Atlas USA is just sitting there like, nah, we don't want to pay for them. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. still. I'm, the only so, thing that baffles me a little bit is why would atlas usa like still release a, a survey to people for this game's release that's at, like how do you feel about dual audio there's that, there's yeah. that they did thing. tease that they did say that they would like to have it as a future thing if they could um it's just one of those things that like it, it was like i'm not saying it was teased for persona 5 it's one of those things that like got people's hopes up because they released that survey yeah like, i mean it, it could still be happening it might just not be know. a but it's i mean it's still three months until the release of that game who knows what might happen between now and then but uh for what it's worth from what we've heard so far about those trailers we put up the english dub for that game seems really good uh just like persona 4's was even if there wasn't a whole lot of well there was actually there was a pretty decent amount of voiced uh work in the that trailers game. are pretty clip well, well josh no, you, persona 4 has tons of voice acting like that's uh, that's what i was going to ask josh from what you've uh, comparing four and five is there the same amount of voice acting or more in five i think I'd there was say, the concern yeah i'd say there's a little bit more in five in terms of like the main story but for social links i forgot how it worked in four but social links are still sparse on story where like the only voice acting in social links are like the first and last events that's what yeah, I, I know. I know Persona Four, at least in English, like some of the some of the uh, some of the social links, like with your party members, like were voiced occasionally, but I know a lot of the other ones were not. Yeah, that's that's what I've kind of some been of them were. Around. Yeah, um, so kind of just off and on. <laughs> so. Exactly. So for people who want to watch that Persona Five stream, of course we'll tweet about it before it goes live. But it's at Twitch.tv/AtlasUSA, November sixteenth at twelve p.m. Pacific. So um, just, you know, obviously adjust for your own time. It says here 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is wrong. It's Pacific Daylight Time. So come out to shame on you. Uh, but anyway. Um, we are off daylight that, savings time, though. We're, no, we're it, in standard time now. Yeah. Oh, OK. Maybe I got to run. I thought for, yeah. I thought it was like, see, we felt we we felt we fall back. Yeah. We're in standard time. I've so. got my time slipped. OK, that's yeah. shame on me. Uh, so uh, and that's. So Persona 5, um, last bit of news here. Wii U, uh, a new production soon. It's kind of funny that um, Eurogamer, I believe, is the one who broke the story originally that Persona... Uh, 
Wii U was going to be ending production that Friday, last Friday, uh, with the last unit rolling off the of the assembly line. Nintendo came back and said, "No, we plan on still producing these in the in the going future." And then, uh, as recently as a couple of days ago, on the Nintendo Japanese website, they straight up said on the main page, "We'll be ending production soon." So. Uh, I don't know if it's that the left hand wasn't talking to the right hand or whatever the case was. Uh, so yeah, Wii U any production soon. I will was say. It, what was the one thing? I think there's one thing like Miyamoto. This is unrelated, but Miyamoto said they like wouldn't make a new version of the 3DS, and then like that literally the next day they did or something like that. Uh, I don't. I might not have been if it was something like that where they they'll they'll contradict themselves. Uh-oh. I mean, I don't. I, I mean, a, a new like if you're talking about like a new version of the 3ds sure i mean we keep talking about this all the time but it was historically brought about you know the ds and the gba but um you know for what it's worth from my personal opinion as someone who doesn't own a wii u that long i do recognize it as a very very good system uh just of course you know ha- uh, hampered by the fact that you know third party companies thought that they had to really design around the tablet instead of just making a good game and then thinking about that later so that was a big problem but there's a lot of really damn good games on the wii u that i recognize as being very good that i still am excited to check out uh there's really nothing else that's coming in the future uh because you know zelda but that's going to be out on the switch and that's probably going to be the preferred platform to play it on just from like visual standpoint but also i'm sure like you know technical reasons for that but i i really like my wii u um you know we talked about tokyo mirage sessions that's like pretty much the 2016 Wii U game of the year, I think we can say at this point. Um, we don't have that type of category in our game of the year stuff, but I think we can agree, as as, as us three probably at least, um, th- uh, recognize that as being the best Wii U game of the year. Well, I mean, there's not that many Wii U games I'm to choose from, like, sadly. I'm trying to think of other Wii U games. No, this there, year, is, the, there was the Twilight Princess remake. There is that. And Paper there's Mario, like Star Color Fox, Splash. yeah, Paper Mario, uh, Color Splash, and that's it. Uh, that's that's about it. <laughs> so it's it's not a far fetch to make that type of claim, but Heated competition. Yeah. I I love my Wii U, but um, I'm I, I like it. I like it for the uh, the virtual console. I know it's not. I know yeah. I know Nintendo's uh, digital storefront and policies aren't the best, but still, it's nice that I can like. For example, I bought. Um, like Fantasy Star, I bought Yeast Book One and Two and things like that. I yeah, I know you can emulate and pirate those and anything, but it's just nice to have a place where you can get games like that. So, and that's a way to show your support, of course, for having yeah. those games be released. I mean, even if we're getting like these compilations being released later of like, uh, you know, these these games being um, like the NES Classic Edition stuff like that, where they're taking these games and collecting them and releasing them. Yeah. For cheaper than the virtual console I'm price. I'm so glad I, or, I got an order it for the NES Classic Edition. Holy shit! That, that, that yeah. you, you you have one, or you got one? Uh, yeah, I, one? I ordered it when uh, when GameStop site uh, got it up for pre-order. I had to finish up Titanfall 2 match, and I was fucking getting nervous during the Titanfall 2 match. I was like, I gotta get this done. So <laughs> making it that much more exciting. <laughs> yeah. So like um, after that, I went to the GameStop site and I was able to add it to my cart, and like it had long loading times through that checkout process. But it's on its way here on Thursday. Fuck. Good. <laughs> I, 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 well, I, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I, Can you imagine what the... I, I know the NES games are great. Uh, 
you know, historically and all that. But like, I, I just have to imagine like an, an SNES virtual console. That's um, actually what I was about to say. Would it be like even be, worse? <laughs> like, even be, more, I, I mean, demand. the, the de- yeah, the demand, the need for uh, that, just because like, I can think of so many damn, there's so many good first party Nintendo games on that system. And you're just thinking about like it, what third party games could come out. Man, just the fact that that's like personally, it's got it's got the best Castlevania, it's got the best Metroid, it's got you know you know the Donkey Kong games. I think Donkey Kong Country Two is the best platformer ever. That's just my opinion, but that's that's how I feel. Um, and you know Super Mario World and Yoshi's Island, and you know it's you can go Pilot Wings, you can go forever. Yeah, talking it, about it, it's it gonna be real games. weird, like how they try to condense that to thirty games if they're gonna stick with that thirty game policy if they release one of these I, again. I imagine it won't be that hard. If anything, they could just solder like an SD card on that thing, like some other those like compilation things do, and just put all the games in that system. Okay. Um, it might be more expensive, but I'm willing to pay the price just because like it's it, nothing beats that experience. I, I so. was saying, I was trying to mention earlier. I'm trying to think of like if I should get a second controller or not for for this NES Classic. There's so many third-party ones you could easily get, That's so true. might as well. Yeah, like and with the longer cables, <laughs> so yeah, it, it's worth it. I think, and there's, I think the price is the same too. So. I, I kind of just see how my nephew will uh, react to this because I was like, "Hey, this is what we fucking played back in the day." That's that's the thing is that I, you I, know... I've I've already seen some people on Twitter like, kind of like in a fun way, like I'm giving my son or nephew or whoever a history lesson, and you know, seeing you know a twenty thirty something playing a NES game with their you know four-year-old five-year-old it's yeah, just yeah. kind of like <laughs> i mean i would i, 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 I would say nostalgic, yeah. and it just makes you nostalgic almost <laughs> yeah my opinion is that you know 8-bit games can be hard to go back to but you know for the super nintendo like the 16-bit games i think those games still hold up as far as like the 2d sprite versions of yeah. those games I, so. I think that's one reason why the snes yeah. is like probably it just a lot of those games i feel like hold up today really well oh absolutely like, like super metroid i actually played finally for the first time like a year ago you know that game is it, you know it, it could have come out a couple of years ago as like a 2d platformer it feels fresh and new even though it's 20 whatever years old yeah and you've got like earthbound and super mario rpg and those games that people i mean obviously chrono trigger and all these other games that yeah. like you can tell i mean it's hard to say if those games will be on type of that type of system but like those are the types of games that people who are say like new to rpgs for example you would recommend like say you know super mario rpg is totally something you should play even if you're if you're if you're saying you want to find like the first rpg that'll really get you into that genre so and sprites are cool i like sprites absolutely Uh, we need one of these days saturn games they'll release those 2d games just because like on virtual console or like Like, modern stuff just because it was i mean I, i talked about this when i played it but playing that uh that Shiren game is just like, man, I love these sprites. I miss sprites. <laughs> yeah, like high-res sprites. You, yeah. Nothing could beat that. Um, I, I actually did want to mention that. We didn't mention this on the last podcast, but speaking of virtual console uh, system delivery, Blue Dragon was released on the Xbox One backwards compatibility on November 1st. So we've got Lost Odyssey and, and Blue Dragon. And Microsoft recently came out and said Project Scorpio, the next system, will continue to have the backwards compatibility awesome. system. Yeah, so... That's something that um, someone who just has this Xbox One sitting near me uh, that I should I try to sell on eBay, but the person wouldn't pay me. And now I'm thinking of just keeping it. I think I will just for that, for the experience of having those backwards compatible games. Yeah, like I have an Xbox. We'll carry go over. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I thought you were going to stop. Sorry. But like I, I have like I have like an Xbox 360 and I have, you know, a bunch of games for it. I don't have it hooked up right now. 
but it would be cool like if you know two years from now if they have like a new xbox system and if i'm interested in buying it like that all my games i have i'll be able to play on it rather than having to hook up my 360 again so you know i'm interested if they're going to add infinite undiscovery to this <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised about all the different yeah, games that I have mean, come out. Does the, the, do they I think Blue Dragon and Lost. I think Blue Dragon and Lost Odyssey were probably the most requested. I, I have to imagine Vesperia. I, I, I mean, just generally speaking, yeah, from consensus. I, I have to imagine Vesperia is a little bit more positively received than oh. Discovery or if uh, we're going to come down like the number one. <laughs> I mean, they did mention Skate Three was one of the most popular requests, and that just Ooh. came out. But um, also, uh, I'm sure the number one must be Eternal Sonata. <laughs> I'm sure it isn't, but that's that's still not backwards compatible, and I would love to see. It. I mean. The thing with the PlayStation 3 version, yes, it's got more characters. If I'm not mistaken, it's also got longer load times. So uh, I played the PS. I played the PS3 version of Eternal Sonata. Uh, I don't recall the load times being poor. I do know for Tales of Vesperia, even though the PS3 version of that has a ton more, like content stuff, it does perform. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, uh, but it does perform. I, I played both versions, and it does perform like significantly worse. <laughs> yes. On PS3. It, it's worth it for all the extra stuff you get, but the, the Xbox version does run better. But anyways, Eternal Sonata, if I remember right, the two extra characters, like they almost feel like they're tacked on. Like you have the normal cutscene with them that you normally would, and all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden it's just like, hey, we're gonna join your party. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's, like that's it. <laughs> like that's obviously they, they, they don't like add them in cutscenes later or anything. They just kind of like you can play as them. You know, it's it feels like it's it really is just tacked on, but. That's just like I mean that's kind of like Vesperia, but they. Well, added no, I think Patty, no, Vesperia, was... Vesperia, they added a lot of scenes and dialogue. Oh, okay. I think that's one reason why so it, it didn't get it. translated because it just it would have been a lot more work to add those voice lines and add the uh, do the translations and see everything where all the new stuff. Where I think Eternal Sonata is more of just like a bonus thing. But anyways, uh, yeah, I think backwards compatibility. I think it's great, and I'm still bummed that the PS4 doesn't have it. So. Yeah, I, I think that in order to compete, I mean, you've got PlayStation now and, you know, they just added a bunch of games, <clears throat> excuse me, like Trails of Cold Steel 2 uh, is now backwards compatible, as is Catherine. So that's really awesome. But it's obviously all PlayStation 3 games. So and, you know, with the PlayStation 2 for PlayStation 4 lineup is not coming as quickly as we want. I want them to at least do that for PlayStation 1. That would be great. Uh, I know PlayStation 4 doesn't support CDs. But they made it seem like they just needed to add like some sort of firmware update to add that functionality to it. And once they do, I just want that at least to be there. Because I've got all these PlayStation 1 games, all these old RPGs like Thousand Arms and Final Fantasy Tactics and Xeno Gears, of course. All these games that could find life on a PlayStation 4 because they, they haven't added that library. And they've got such a huge library of playstation one games that I mean, we could be playing obviously like, sony I just needs to do a fucking playstation classic mini Duh. i mean i have oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just have so much i just have so much stuff on psn like the psx games that they have on psn yeah and, yeah. and it just kind of like well i guess i can play them on vita or ps3 i still have my ps3 hooked up but it just it just feels i, I understand that the ps3 is hardware i'm not a tech person but i understand that the way that that hardware worked was totally different with the cells and that it's probably a ton of work. I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, sorry. I, I love you, Adam. Yeah, I love I, me too. I, I think I think. It's I, a... I mean, I I don't want to sound like I'm just being, um, you know, whining. Like, why can't they do this? Because I'm sure it's a lot harder than it seems. Well, yeah. But it just I have so all this PSX stuff on PSN. It'd just be so nice if I could access that on. What, what if? 
So I, I'm 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 actually uh, bad that I actually came up with this. It's that what if it was a PlayStation 4 Pro exclusive? Oh shit. <laughs> And I was just thinking, like, uh, I thought of that just because it's like, okay, it's got the c- capability to handle, like, the emulation for all that stuff. But, um, I mean, the PlayStation 2 could handle it. But the PlayStation 4 Pro, then I suddenly thought, like, what if those games were rendered in 4K? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, oh. How awful my eyes would start bleeding just from seeing that let me, stuff. Let me go play FF8 in 4K. Oh, like the, the ballroom scene. Just oh. like, uh. At least the cutscenes would look I would nice. dig it. I would dig it so much. Oh, oh yeah, I, I, Rinoa, I, I quote, oh, you're the most handsome guy around here. <laughs> it, it's, it's crazy to think like, I wonder how much that's contributed. Cause like the Xbox one, um, I think it's like the fourth month in a row. It's, it's been the top selling console, uh, uh as per the NPD in October is the top selling console. Once again, I mean, you could come down to like the Xbox one S, uh, being very successful for them. Um, and you know, PlayStation four will surely come back an early 2017 with all their exclusive games like Nier and Neo and uh, I'm sure the Pro will probably Summon Night Six will sell bunk like Buku bucks for them. Uh, I, was, I mean I love Summon Night, so uh, I just mentioned, it. but yeah, as you said, Adam, about that too. But um, you know, it, the PlayStation 4 Pro will likely do huge for them too. But man, um, like you said, it's like the hope was the hardware and digital backwards compatibility. Just they haven't done it yet. And like know, I'm just I'm just imagining like five years from now. Like right now, I'm still okay. Like okay, I can play my PSN games on PS3. But like five years from now, like is that still gonna be my only option? Is to play those games on PS3? Like still, you know? I have a, yeah, yeah, exactly. I have a hard time looking at my PlayStation 3 because it's so sluggish. But um, let's just wrap things up here before we go on too long. Uh, one last thing we want to mention: uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon is out this Friday, this upcoming Friday on November 18th. Um, we are still trying to figure out if we can get some content, a review up for that game. Um, we're working on it. That's all I will really say about that. But from what it's worth, it does look like a really damn good game, and I'm, I would love to try it. But it seems like it seems like they're yeah. kind of. I think I, I I think I mentioned this last week, but they're kind of doing like sort of similar to what they did with A Link Between Worlds, where they're kind of intentionally changing the formula just enough to try to make it feel fresh. Um, so it seems like that's from what I've heard so far from people playing it. It seems like, or the demo, that it's pretty generally well received. So we'll yeah, see. I mean, I wouldn't sell it that short that it's just a tweak, but it seems like it's more significant. But because they they don't even have Professor Oak, it's a whole new one, uh, <laughs> or at least that there's probably not been an Oak for a while. I haven't played those games since like the Pokemon Blue era, but um, it looks like it's it's pretty damn good. Like yeah, Adam, I've also been seeing a lot of positive reports about that, but that should be up out this Friday. That's kind of it um, for upcoming games uh, until our next podcast, which will be a week from today, uh, November nineteenth, hopefully uh but that's it for our podcast uh so as far as where you can find us you can find us at rpgsite.net got a lot of great content up on there from all the we're, we've been posting a lot more news which i hope listeners appreciate um you can also find us on uh, twitter at rpg site you can find us on youtube.com slash rpg site net i've been slowly daily adding our extra life marathon of mother three you can check up all the first uh, three chapters, I believe, are up on the channel now. And we are continuously adding new content. I know Liam, uh, our video guy, is, is working on a new video for us. Darren just uploaded his, his review, video review of Trails of Cold Steel 2. So be sure to check that out. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook.com slash RPG Site Net. Subscribe, subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for TetraCast 
I think my name is also part of it, like Zachary's Tetracast, I think is part of the name, which is ridiculous, but that's the case. Um, uh, and, you know, of course, you can find us on Android, podcast apps, uh, Google Music. Also, our permanent discord.me slash RPG site, our permanent, that's our permanent link. You can find us there. We, we have a lot of people joining us recently. Uh, ever since I retweeted that link, we've got a huge amount of people coming in. Um, a lot of really excited people about games coming up. So that's the perfect way you can chat with us. Uh, and yeah, wrapping things up, just want to thank our guests, Adam Vitali and Josh Torres. Thank you both so much for being part of this podcast. It was great. Special thank guest. You. Yeah, putting up with my terrible internet issues from earlier. Uh, we managed to recover from that and put on a really good podcast. At least I think that that went well. So yeah. thank you both for being part of that. Actually, you know, something I wanted a little bit different too. Where can we find you both on Twitter? How about that? Josh, where, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me at HDKirin, H-D-K-I-R-I-N. Great. And Adam, where, where can they find you? K-I-N-G underscore S-E-D-A. Keen Seda. Uh, you can find me at Zachary's. Uh, easy enough. I was early enough to get that. So awesome. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to the latest edition of the TetraCast. Catch you next time.